Everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show live from Los Angeles, California. I repeat, live from SoFi Stadium right behind us. We are 24 hours away from the Cincinnati Bengals against the Los Angeles Rams in Super Bowl 56. Delighted to be joined by Colin Cronin, Andy Reid impersonation. <laughs> uh, good evening as well. We realize it's about 10.30 in the morning here. Brian O'Leary. Uh, welcome, Brian. Mark Cockerell. How do you, Michael? How, How do you? Doing? All good. Uh, Great, great fun in, in LA so far. Fantastic for everyone watching in Ireland, UK, Europe. Uh, thanks to everyone watching around the world. Really appreciate it, folks. Presented by Trust Gaming Matchbook, uh, Mini Arcade Systems, and the Arlingus College Football Classic. More on that in a bit. Column, we're in LA. How are you? Good? Uh, I'm fantastic. We're at the, the Super Bowl, Michael, as you said, just about 24 hours. I mean, this is what you dream of, right? The, the Philly special, helmet catch, the comeback, the helicopter. The Super Bowl is it. I. 1989, the Denver Broncos take on the 49ers. We got absolutely annihilated, but that has lived with me until this moment. To be at the Super Bowl is incredibly special. Unbelievable, and it's our first experience, I think, any of us, and even as a group, going to the Super Bowl. I, I can't wait for tomorrow. And Brian, uh, we're a long way from North Dublin, but you know, we started in the bunker, we're ending <laughs> in SoFi. How are you? The bunker of John Amin. I'm grand. Um, look, NFL fans throughout Ireland, UK, Europe, here in the, in the States, it's on your bucket list to go to a Super Bowl. We're very fortunate to be here this week. We've experienced the NFL week, not just about the game itself tomorrow, but going to the NFL experience yesterday, going to the media day, going to the great presentation of the press conference around the fact that the NFL have committed to, G to Germany for the next four years. So we were able to, to take that in yesterday. It's truly a great week for all NFL fans. And, we're very thankful to be here covering the game tomorrow. Absolutely. Mark, uh, welcome in. You're looking well. Love the T-shirt. Thanks, Michael. I thought I thought I represent the brand, and I'm, I'm just trying to neutralize out Colm's shirt. You Sorry. Know, just... Sorry, can't hear you, Mark. Shirt's yeah, yeah. too loud. <laughs> a bit too loud. A bit too loud, the Colm. Um, look, I mean, it's fantastic. We're so, so, so humbled and grateful to be here. Thank you to everyone for all your support along the way, the sponsors, fans, people who interacted with us. Um, just ever so grateful. And as Brian's alluded to, I mean, we go into the press conference yesterday covering the Bengals and the press availability and things like that and getting our questions into, you know, Tyler Boyd and Zach Taylor and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. It is almost like a dream come true. And hopefully been able to bring a little bit of that, guys, uh, back to you all back at home in Ireland, Europe and the UK. Um, I will say, Michael, the mamas and papas probably made, said it best. They said California dreaming on such a winter's day. Well, I can tell you, the Winter's Day in Los Angeles is a bit different from the Winter's Days in Leash or Limerick, to be sure. Um, but here we are, game 285 of the 2001 NFL season. And Michael, this one, it's for all the marbles. It's going to be great crack, lads. This is our 70th show of the season. Delighted to be from SoFi Stadium. We've got a packed show coming up. We've got Neil Reynolds coming up in a second. Ron Rivera, Washington Commander's head coach. We had Phillips, legendary coach in the NFL. Dan Arvosky, and of course, Richard Chambers. Yes, yes, well. indeed. But, uh, there's a couple of things they, they we were talking about the the Bengals and the um, the media availability. Joey Burrow calling out fans in Ireland. Did it earlier in the week. Did it again yesterday. And also, um, big news I think on the um, international player pathway from the NFL yesterday. They're now going to allow specialist kickers and punters. So Pat McAfee, you uh, there you go for the brand. And uh, I think they're going to open it up. So. There, there's been a lot this week, as Brian mentioned, around the NFL really wanted to expand globally. So we know Germany, the UK, Mexico, but Brett Gosford talked about Spain and France. So um, I think it's a really exciting time to be an NFL fan. 
we're going to get into more detail around the game shortly, but two teams have come with a very different approach to the Super Bowl. The Rams have traded so much away, essentially, in terms of picks to get here, to get back again with the opportunity to win the Super Bowl. And the Bengals team, they're up and coming, and not a lot of facade has got happening. Joey Burrow has got them there. We were at the media day yesterday. A sense of confidence about that team. They're all very relaxed. They feel like this is their time to win. The pressure's on the Rams tomorrow. Yeah, and, and just one other, Zach Taylor. Um, we were talking to him, and uh, he's a very proud Nebraskan Cornhusker. They come to Dublin in August, not September as I sometimes say, when Nebraska <laughs> play Northwestern in the Erlingus College Football Classic. Uh, so he was excited about that. So we've, we think we've convinced him if he wins tomorrow, he's going to bring Lombardi over to Dublin. I think uh, DJ Reader was in for that trip as well, uh, up for the crack on that regard. So uh, looking forward to those. But as Brian said, I mean, like, this is a very funny Super Bowl in one respect. You look at these two teams, they both could have thrown away their chances to be here. But here we are, the improbable Super Bowl, some might say. Yeah, and you mentioned that game in Dublin. All the information is on the screen right now at the bottom, collegefootballireland.com. Looking forward to that game in August. But we got a game tomorrow, and we're delighted now to welcome our first guest to the Irish NFL show. Needs no introduction, as we said on the broadcast. He's the king of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. Mr. Neil Reynolds. Obviously, Sky Sports have got a fantastic broadcast from LA and from London tomorrow night from 10 p.m. And we really appreciate Neil coming on. Here's the interview. Uh, welcome into the Irish NFL show. We're from LA, pre-recorded with the main man, the king of the NFL, the UK and Ireland, Sky Sports NFL host, Neil Reynolds. Neil, uh, a warm welcome to this show. It's, it's great to have you on. Thank you. And you've read the script. I, I have to be referred to as that every time. So <laughs> it's great to be with you. Uh, yeah, it feels like Christmas Eve, doesn't it? Well, it's been it's been a pretty mad couple of months. Like, and like forgetting about September, October, the last month, Neil, has been crazy. You know, how have you slept over the last month? Because there's something happening every five minutes. Oh, I mean, it's just been incredible, and and we get so kind of excited covering the games that you know we'll cover them on a Saturday night in the playoffs, and then I'll get back in the studio the next day, and and me and Jeff will look at each other and say, "How much did you sleep? Like three hours." You know, like, you ready to go again? It's like, yeah, let's do it. And you just, but you just, we were fortunate because the playoffs were so great, right? So uh, whenever it's like that and it just, the adrenaline carries you through, you don't actually need sleep. I've been saying for weeks now, I'll, I'll sleep in February. It's just been, it's just been brilliant. It's just, yeah. And sometimes we haven't even needed to overanalyze it. Sometimes you just take a step back and say, this is fantastic. And that's what it's been. Yeah, so, so many memorable moments and who knows what uh, Sunday will, will bring. One of the things, Neil, that maybe hasn't been talked about enough, I think, in terms of this particular Super Bowl is the we talked about the head coaches, talked about the quarterbacks and defences. These are two teams, though, that have executives that have gone about team building in very different ways. Mm -hmm. Depending on the winner, is is this going to be like Les Snead or Duke Tobin as a executive of the year? And we know it's a copycat league. Is, is Are they going to follow the, the mode of the winner? Well, I think there's certainly that possibility. I think so many GMs are wedded to the draft, though, so it'll be it'll take a lot to to change that mindset but i love that storyline that's one of the big stories to me is you know you've got the rams who at first glance are built on superstars you know they're built on uh, they're built on uh, odell beckham von miller matthew stafford jalen ramsey which i mean that's true they are <laughs> that's fantastic but 
you know, they went and found Cooper Cup in, in the draft. You know, they get Van Jefferson in the second round. It's not, that they, it's not that they hate draft picks. I just don't think they put the same value on a first-round pick uh, as some teams. And, and actually, the, by contrast, the Bengals have transformed themselves uh, with their last two first-round picks, you know, with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow before him. Um, so, yeah, contrasting styles, certainly something I'm going to uh, be highlighting early in our coverage on Sky Sports on Sunday night because I just think it's, it's at first glance, it looks very, very different. But then actually... The Bengals loaded their defense with free agents, not very high priced, but they still attacked free agency. And the Rams have had some good depth. Uh, you look at Nick Scott, what's he, a sixth, seventh round draft pick? Safety has been making plays uh, in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's a fascinating thing. Um, and I think if I'm a Rams fan, I'm not, uh, you always hear mortgage in the future, you know, mortgage in the future. I haven't got a first round pick till 2024. I'm happy with that from a Rams fan. I'm in my second Super Bowl in four years. We've been in the playoffs four out of five years under Sean McVay. There are a lot of, a lot of fans of a lot of teams would take that. Neil, I just wanted to step away from the game itself tomorrow. Whilst we're looking forward to the game, all the other teams who are not in the playoffs are already preparing for the draft, free agency, and obviously next season. And there's been so many coaches that have found roles as head coaches who have come from offensive coordinator positions, including uh, your Dolphins with... Uh, Mike McDaniel's been announced during the week. Um, were you surprised by that decision in the end? And as a Dolphins fan, are you, what, are you, what are you expecting from the, from the change? I mean, he's, a, he's a, uh, one who's come up on the rails, really, the last few months. And I think he's done a few quite good press conferences in San Francisco, which have uh, made him kind of a hot candidate. Um, I think he fits to a Tonga Vailoa. I think he fits what Miami are trying to do offensively. You know, this is a quarterback league. This is an offensive league. And there is a bias towards um, offensive-minded coaches. I think that's still the case. I think that's that everyone wants their Sean McVay. You know, that's why we've... I mean, look at Sean McVay. What's he, 36 years old? He's got a coaching tree like it's an oak tree. Coaches falling off it left, right, and center. Zach Taylor. Um, now Kevin O'Connell is going to go to the Vikings. Everyone's looking for, for that person, um, that leader. I still think there's a place in this game for the Jim Caldwells, the Leslie Frasers. You, you can't tell me they don't deserve to be head coaches. And so that's a little bit disappointing. I went for a cup of coffee with Sean McVeigh once, Neil, so I'm waiting that'll for be, the that'll do for you. coaching gig. You know? That'll do you. Sorted. That's all you need. <laughs> that's a cup of coffee. Fish the cup and you're in. Yeah. Um, Neil, you mentioned actually the, the storylines, and look, let's, let's face it, in the media, but in the NFL, it's a league full of stories. This whole season at times has been like something by Lewis Carroll, has been through the looking glass at times. We've got the Cinderella Bengals right out of Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw, and you've got the Rams with great expectations by Charles Dickens right here, all against your Orwellian backdrop of the, the wider uh, dystopian enterprise, shall we say. However, the Super Bowl itself, it's not just one storyline. There's 106 stories of all the players on both sides. There's the practice squad members, the coaches, the families involved. Is there any story that you kind of feel like it's kind of a little below the radar, but it's particularly piqued your interest or you're particularly interested in seeing the resolution of it this Sunday? Uh, so I think we're, well, actually, I think we're going so 
top line uh, as media, we will do. We'll look at Matthew Stafford. We'll look at Joe Burrow. Um, and this isn't actually digging that deep, but I love the Eric Weddle story. Yeah, the guy was two years out of football, right? I mean, two years out of football, retired. Raheem Morris says, are you, are you fat or can you come back? Uh, and he's already said, we, I'm going back to my old life as soon as it's done. So, you know, imagine if Weddle comes, you know, comes out of retirement and actually plays pretty well for the Rams uh, when they need it big um, and wins the Super Bowl. That, that, would be, uh, that would be pretty incredible. Not as incredible, Mark, as that, uh, that uh, speech you just gave. I don't know if you had that written down, rehearsed, planned, auto cue, whatever. Fantastic. I mean, I only know coloring books. That's, that's the limit of my books. It's all right. You can use it. You can use it tomorrow night in the sky coverage now. I'll I'm definitely going to need an auto cue for that one. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send over the, the, the text after this call. Uh, Neil, we'll, uh, we'll obviously hear about, you know, Sky's coverage on Sunday, maybe at the end of this interview. But for me, like, I've really found that, uh, well, it happens every season now. The, the, the coverage for Sky has really went up a year this year from obviously original programming with the, with the Chiefs, but a new studio taking advantage of Zoom. I mean, Baldi's Wi-Fi is a wee bit like Mark's the odd time. It's, it's great cracking TV. Honorary Irishman Jason Bell joining as well. And you've had people on week in, week out. It's been really good crack. And uh, it's been, I'm saying, I'd say it for you, it's been good fun all year as well. Yeah, it's, it's been really good fun. And um, I think just having a, a wide sort of collection of voices on, on the show has been good. There was a game, uh, one of the playoff rounds, I think we had, like, I was counting it up after we were done, we had like 12 different people. Uh, I think it might have been the championship weekend. It, it was just incredible. Um, yeah, we just have a lot of fun. You know, we have a lot of fun, and I think we've upped it year on year. Um, bringing Jay Bell in has been a, um, an absolute godsend. The man's just a breath of fresh air, and he's just the nicest guy in the world. You sit there watching the games with him. Um, so that's been really good. I've really enjoyed working with Jason. I actually think it's great that we can kind of cross over like that. And he can go from the BBC to Sky and back again. Um, so I hope we do that a lot more. I love working with Dante Hall, bringing in new people like that. Um, and then, of course, I get coached back for the playoffs, which is great. You know, so to have Jeff back um, has been brilliant. Um, yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot of fun. We do. We do have a. We do have a good laugh in them. It's um, yeah. People worry about whether we have a sit down or not between uh, between our fields. We do have chairs. We are in good shape. Don't worry. We get somewhere to sit and watch the games. Neil, um, certainly it is good fun, but another guy who seems to just have fun uh, when he has to, to be professional is Joe Burrow. He just seems to enjoy life, uh, even if he has a 300 pound uh, edge rushers coming at him and he gets sacked nine times, or if he's down 21-3 in Arrowhead. Coming back off of that ACL injury, how impressed have you been um, by Joey B or Joe Cool or whatever nickname people are going with him uh, this particular day? I, I couldn't be more impressed because you've got the guy here who's, so he's been sacked the most in the NFL. He's thrown the second most. I was looking at this, all my research coming out now, guys, I'm going to spew it all out. He's had the second most tight window throws in the NFL, yet he led the league in completion percentage and has thrown more big play touchdown passes than we've seen in a quarter of a century under that much pressure. So that's the physical pressure which he deals with. Then there's the mental pressure of getting a team to a Super Bowl for the first time uh, in 33 years. And I spoke to Burrow this week and he said, 
it's it means nothing to us the history the anvil that has been around the neck he didn't say that as my words now the anvil that's been around the neck of the bengals means nothing to joe burrow and this current crop and i tell you the other thing i like because i see this way too often uh, especially with young players and young players who are trying to get to certain levels I love the the quote he said this week where he said, uh, work in silence. Don't put your workouts on Instagram. Why You don't need to have the world know you're working. Just work. Just work. And I think that's what Joe Burrow's done. Um, you can't help but root for him. This is a tough one, right? Because everyone loves Joe Burrow and everyone likes him. But Matthew Stafford's been freed from Detroit after 12 years. And so either way, this is... Yeah, everyone's a winner, right? <laughs> Was that a song? It was probably a song somewhere. <laughs> yeah, another player that was freed only this season was Odell Beckham from Cleveland. And when the trade took place, also when he was released and obviously then picked up by the Rams, everybody felt that he was still up in the air in terms of what his attitude would be like when he came into the Rams. And I suppose he probably was fortunate that Robert Woods got injured when he did because he became such a bigger factor in the offense than maybe he would have been when he went in. Um, are you surprised by the maturity which he showed in the last while? He's been really impactful in the playoffs, but there's something to be different about his attitude since he's gone to the Rams. So I've got, I've got to know Odell quite well over the last few years and since he's been in the NFL. And I would say he wants to be great and he wants to be remembered as great and he wants to put in the work and he does work hard. And then something will happen that kind of lets him down. Then he wants to be great again. And he wants... And so... There's times when I've looked and said, ah, Odell, what are you doing? You know, I know you want to be great and you, you, you talk about your legacy. Well, I think now he's realized this is his best opportunity and that, you know, all the years he's been in the NFL, he hasn't had a chance like this. You know, he's within touching distance of winning a Super Bowl, which is what he always talked about. And I think he's just towed the line. I think he's, I think he's happy there. I think he's probably happier in LA than he is in Cleveland. Um, He's been a growing force, hasn't he? I mean, it's, it started out as a kind of nice story, and it's like, oh, Odell's catching a couple of touchdowns uh, down near the goal line uh, to the point where he's over 100 yards receiving in the NFC Championship game. So, you know, this is a this is it's not the Odell Beckham that we saw as a rookie in the NFL, but this is a a very very good number two. And I tell you what's gone away all the pregame nonsense, right? We don't see any of that with like all the sponsors out there watching Odell doing his one-handed catches. He's just turning up and playing football. That's, I'm, 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 that was, I didn't think that was digging deep enough for my kind of stories that I'm interested in. Um, so I, I, found, went with I found you one, have I? Yeah, I, think, I went with Eric Weddle, but this one would have been uh, right up there. You know, Odell, can he, can he kind of win a Super Bowl now after everything he's been through? Uh, and some people won't like how he engineered his way out of Cleveland. I absolutely get that. Um, but I think he's happy and I think he's going to have a chance to fulfill what he's always believed in. That was always his legacy that he wanted to be a Super Bowl champ. Uh, Neil, I'll throw another one at you. Andrew Whitworth, obviously going to the Super Bowl, you know, unbelievably, of course, against the Bengals, uh, somewhat ironically in some respects. Um, but one dwell on him. Just a general question. He's got great footwork. We know Jay Bell from Strictly doesn't have great footwork, but he did uh, indicate to us last year. You can tell him that one. I mean, he was pretty awful. Um, but he did indicate to us because we asked him when he had him on um, who on Strictly was a big NFL fan. Actually, the Super Bowl show last year, we had of all people 
and Tom Dubeckon, who, believe it or not, is a massive fan of the Washington Commanders and was very good crack. I think the guys will agree. Um, we had a good good chat with him about his Riverdance plans for the NFL halftime show. Maybe maybe don't ask about that, actually. <laughs> but Anton wasn't a name that you would have thought of as an NFL fan. And I'm sure over all your years of covering the NFL, not just on Sky, but with Gridiron, you know, you've been you know, a fan and journalist of the sport for so many years. Who's the most random person that you've come across or has approached you and is like, I love watching you on a Sunday night or, you know, I love the NFL. Um, and you've just gone, well, I wouldn't have expected that one. Uh, wow. That is tough when you think about uh, probably Graham Gooch <laughs> sitting in the makeup room at Sky. <laughs> Gucci came up. I was like, oh, I love watching this every Sunday. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so that was, that would be the first one that comes to mind. I'm more excited about, and I need to know next time, because I love a bit of Strictly, if I'm honest. I do love a bit of Strictly on a Saturday night. I don't get, don't get to go out much on a Saturday, so I'm quite happy watching Strictly. And I do like Anton. I think he's brilliant. So I'd like to know if Anton watches me on a Sunday. I'd like to think he does. He, he does, because he told us when the results show's coming on, he's already recorded it, obviously, on the Saturday night. So he's back at home when everyone's watching the results, watching Sky and watching the NFL. So there oh, you go. Night made. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> well, we, we've, we've got a couple of things for you, Neil. Some, some good news. If you love Strictly, uh, give Sky a shout. They'll, geo they'll take away the geoblock on RT1, Channel 161. Every Sunday night, Dancing with the Stars. It's the, the Irish equivalent. I'm sure you can watch that there. Also, Neil, a uh, couple of things very quickly just to wrap up. Uh, love to welcome you to Ireland in the same way we've done Jeff there at the weekend. Maybe Paddy's there, something around that there. We'll, we'll talk about the ball. And finally, Neil, obviously, it's been a very busy week in Sky Sports NFL. It's been a very busy season. Um, you have some show. You have some show lined up for tomorrow night. Do you want to tell everyone what's going to happen? I do. First of all, yes, please. I'll come to Ireland anytime. Uh, always enjoyed the NFL UK lives there. It was fantastic. So let's do it. Um, yes, we're on air at ten o'clock. Uh, I'm going to be in the London studio uh, with Jeff and Sean Gale. Uh, we're going to have major FOMO, but we're going to be in Arizona tearing it up next year. I promise you, uh, we are back next year. But we're going to be in London. Then we've got a position in LA where we've got. Uh, Calais Campbell, so six-time Pro Bowler, uh, NFL Man of the Year. Uh, we've got uh, Warren Moon, so a Hall of Fame quarterback is going to be next to Calais. Bo uh, Kay Adams is going to do the pregame show from another position in the stadium and will be replaced by Baldy once the game kicks off. And Kirk Cousins joins us for the 90-minute pregame show. So we've got Pro Bowl quarterbacks, Pro Bowl defensive linemen, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the queen of good morning football, Jeff, Sean, Guys who've lost the Super Bowl in Calais, won a Super Bowl. Uh, oh, and then, yeah, I'll have a go as well. I'll, I'll tag along and ask a few questions. Brilliant. An absolutely stellar lineup, Neil. I think uh, that to, to remember all of that is even more impressive than Mark's uh, storytelling hey, you, you ability. Are, you, you want so, to talk remembering, you want to see my script for tomorrow night. <laughs> well, we want to wish you and the, the team there at Sky all the very best with it. You always do a phenomenal job. And just thanks very much for joining us on the Irish NFL show. Always, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
Thanks very much to Neil Reynolds coming on the Irish NFL show. Really appreciate Neil coming on, taking his time in such a busy week. And obviously, lads, and everyone watching uh, in Ireland and the UK especially, Sky Sports NFL, 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Looking forward to uh, maybe catching up on that when I get home as well. And I'm sure it'll be a great broadcast. And thanks very much to Neil. We've got Wade Phillips coming up next, but we're going to look at the Bengals' offense first. We're going to talk because there's a game tomorrow, Super Bowls tomorrow, Bengals rounds. Colin, this Bengals offense is intriguing because in such a short period of time, they've built some sort of system around Joe Burrow where you feel like they could come in here tomorrow and just score as many points as they want. Well, I think that's because of Burrow himself. I mean, he has been just a phenomenon. And that when you consider also that he's coming back from an ACL injury, this is his 38th game and it's going to be a Super Bowl. And the thing that's most impressive to me about Burrow is he can make all the throws, he can do all that, we know that, but it's how he deals with pressure. And he got hit nine times uh, by the Titans. He stuck in there uh, against the Chiefs to come up with a different plan. He gets the ball out quicker. He finds ways to win. And he did that uh, when he was at LSU. And now he does it again with the Bengals. And I think that's what's really, really impressive. There are loads of quarterbacks who have gone into Arrowhead, found themselves 21-3 down, and would have gone, not, not, not my day. And I think that's the thing about Burrow. He just keeps at it. He finds a way to win. And he look, he is an unbelievably talented QB. But to, to me, it's that ability to deal with pressure. That's what separates him from some of the others. Maybe, you know, the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's why the, the Bengals, I think, are where they are. You can see the way the guys kind of respond to him as a leader. We saw that. Like, they, they're prepared to have fun with him, but they ultimately respect him. And to, to be doing that, like, in such a short time in the league is really incredible. He, to me, is the the main reason if the Bengals are to win this game, it's going to be because of Joe Burrow, um, Joey B, Joe Cool. I mean, the fact that he already, you know, has earned the monkeyer that the great Joe Montana had is, <laughs> is quite telling, uh, especially going into a, a Super Bowl. So to me, this Bengals offense, and there are other facets to it, but look, the main facet for the, the Bengals uh, offense, defense, the talking point all week has been around Joe Burrow. And I'm presuming the shorts are after the Bengals as well. I, ha I had to get it in because there's been so many comments. If you have got a comment, leave it in. We'll read that as soon as possible. Thanks to everyone who's put comments in so far. <laughs> Wanted to get that in. Brian, this Bengals offense is something something special, isn't it? It is, but it has its flaws. And that flaw is more so around the offensive line. 51 sacks this season. It's the most ever by an NFL team in the season who went on to be in the Super Bowl. Colin touched on it there, the nine sacks against the Titans. Like we spoke on the, the Monday after that particular game. How did he still won that game? And again, a lot of it was down to how Burrow dealt with that situation and got them over the line. And again, we saw adversity in the, in the first half against the Chiefs. The offensive line has struggled all season, it's fair to say. Going back to the draft, we could have, we're all shocked. We were touched on the fact that they didn't go with Penny Sewell, who went to the Lions, because they, they were ahead of them. They picked Chase. That obviously now has worked out to be a very, very good situation. My concern is around getting the ball to Chase, and, and Mark will probably come to the wide receivers now. They've got a great set of wide receivers, but getting the ball to the wide receivers tomorrow for me is, is it'd be interesting how they do that because to me he's going to need six seven seconds within the pocket and we know what that rams defense is like we're going to come to that shortly but that rush can they withstand it on the offensive line if they don't and they get the borough it could be a long day against something i know against the chiefs the running backs it was more screen passes they, they got 70 yards worth of screen pass off six six throws that's the type of stuff i could see tomorrow quick get the ball out quickly allow them to do it we saw chase do something similar against the titans to do that they could potentially put up a lot of points, but that to me is the stumbling block, stumbling block potentially of where they don't win this game tomorrow.
talk about bringing the heat for this Bengals offense, Mark. It's 29 degrees here, and it's 11.06 in the morning. Mark, uh, it's going to be a hot day for this Bengals offense tomorrow, yeah? It's going to be very hot, but they can bring the heat onto any defense as well. I mean, the guys have talked about Joe Cool uh, there, if you like. I mean, even Odell Beckham was saying, if you looked up the definition of cool, you'll find a picture of Joe Burrow wearing Cartier shades. Uh, so I think that's a, a good testament. And, you know, they've got many different facets. Joe Mixon has run the ball pretty hard this season. I mean, he was third in the league in terms of rushing yards, and he adds that other dimension to their game. But... You know, Super Bowls are sometimes going against your normal initiative. Um, in the AFC Championship game, the Bengals ran it with Mixon 21 times on first, uh, 21 times, 16 of those times were on first down, and 11 of those uh, were out of 12 personnel. And that 12 personnel matchup against the normal 5-2-5-1 front of the Rams could be a key part of where this game is decided, especially if the Bengals don't, in fact, run it and instead invoke play action like they did in one of the first plays in the AFC Championship game. Because they have the triplets. They have the amazing talents of Chase, of Higgins, and Boyd. And they can all take a game. T. Higgins has taken games away from teams this year. And I know we'll talk about the Rams' defense, but are they really going to put Darius Williams on T. Higgins? Give him seven inches of a height differential? There's been all this talk about, oh, is Ramsey going to shadow Chase? It's more important. Who's going to deal with Higgins? How are they going to deal with Boyd over the middle? And, but Brian's point is very salient. It's, no, it's pointless if you can't get the ball out. And frankly, this week, Frank Pollock, the offensive line coordinator of the uh, offensive line coach of the Bengals, has been invoking the great John Wooden. I mean, they've been based out in UCLA, and that's where we've been training this week. And he referred to his pyramid of success. And the very top of the pyramid of success is competitive greatness. Being your best when you have to be at your best. And said, well, look at the last drive against the Titans. Look at the pass pro in that. Look at the, the run game and the holes they were creating for Mixon in overtime against the Chiefs. So far, this Bengals offensive line, maligned as though as it is, porous at times as though as it is, have stood up when greatness was needed from them. Um, and if you don't hear about their guards during the game, you don't hear the name Quinton Spain coming up very regularly, for example, don't hear reference to them, then that's a very good sign for the Houday Nation uh, because you only talk about those guys when they're laying up sacks. <laughs> Well, the thing for me, like, and I, I haven't been here all week. Use it, maybe because it's Tuesday. He's coming mm -hmm. in on Thursday. The confidence from Burrow. Like, I can't tell it over a screen, but he seems so chill. It's unbelievable going into the Super Bowl. I've never seen a guy that age in his what, second season in the NFL. Like, let's, I don't want to call it the rookie season because he looked like, what, week five last year was it? Or week, week 10? Week 11? Anyway, he looks so ready for this game. And I don't want to talk about the Rams defense, but it starts to make me think, can Joe Burrow get the ball down the field tomorrow? If, he, if they do try and run the ball, can Mixon go more than 10, 15 yards on any run? I don't know. I, I genuinely think, and we'll go on to the Rams defense in a bit, I think this Rams defense are, are going to have the answer for, for, this, for this Bengals offense. As good as they are, yes, Jamar Chase could get, could get free with a couple of big plays, but it's going to be an intriguing time for them. What I will say is this Bengals offense is not going to go anywhere anytime soon. They're going to be up in the AFC for a, for a very, very long time. And I'm intrigued to see how Burrow plays. At the start of the game is going to be key tomorrow. If he comes out all guns blazing and he's confident and he gets a good start, it could be his game. Callum calls it America alluded to all these different nicknames that Joey B, Joey Cool, Joe, Joe Burrow. When we were at the media day yesterday, we took a really good photograph and we tweeted it out. He was just lapping it up. He was sitting there. He had the shades on. He looked so he relaxed. Loves it. So cool. You wouldn't think it's only a second year in the league. And you touched on it. The fact that he had that ACL injury last year 
against Washington. Essentially, he was gone from week to week 12. So he yeah. didn't play for the last five games of the season. So in a way, he was starting his, his, his career almost all over again. But, but that's also because he's like no one else we've ever seen yeah. before. Yeah. I mean, if he mm. wins tomorrow, if the Bengals win tomorrow, Joe Burrow will be the first quarterback in history, the first player in history, sorry, not the first quarterback, to win the Heisman, the National Championship, the college level, the Super Bowl, and be a number one pick. Uh, no one's achieved that. Not Peyton Manning. No, no one uh, has ever accomplished that goals. And this man will have done it in the span of three years. Oof. I mean... What have you done the last three years, guys? Come on. This, this, yeah. I, could cry. I think we've had, I think we've had a pretty good three years. In <laughs> fairness, not maybe Joe Burrow level. The other, the other thing about Burrow though is he he doesn't change, right? So what you saw, we saw him with the virtual press conferences earlier in the week, and obviously we've seen him on TV. Yesterday was the exact same, right? And I, I that's what I mean. When he is twenty points up or he's twenty points down. It's not going to matter. Joey Burrow's approach is going to be the same. So to me, it doesn't matter if he doesn't start fast. They didn't start fast against the Chiefs. They found a way back in. And I think that, to me, is, again, that's what makes the difference. Because if they go two touchdowns down, Joe Burrow is going to be sitting on the sidelines going, I can get us back into this. I think the hometown element could be a massive factor. Go ahead, we haven't touched on the head coach, Zach Taylor. We, again, we were at the media day yesterday, and I asked the question around whether the team was feeling any pressure. Because there is pressure. Like They can say that there isn't, you know, because... You know, the pressure's on the rounds because of their situation with draft picks and all the rest. But from a, a local standpoint, from a city of, of Cincinnati, Ohio, they haven't been to a Super Bowl in 23 years. Mm. They hadn't even won a playoff game for 31 years before they got on this run. And in fairness, he, he, he remarked and he answered the question saying, it's just like another game to us in October. We're all chilled. We're all cool. We're all relaxed. We're all enjoying the situation. And that was very evident at the media day. Yeah, but Michael, I mean, the pressure goes all the way through. I mean, one thing we haven't talked about is maybe there's a bit of a spirit leader here for the Bengals as well, CJ Uzama, who may or may not play, ripped off his leg brace at the rally. According, according to Zach Taylor yesterday, he will play. I mean, that, that That's is incredible. That is incredible. That's inspiring in itself. And obviously the Rams have put Tyler Higby on IR, so we know their starting tight end will not be participating. But the pressure goes all the way through because it's not just Zach Taylor. Think about Brian Callahan the offensive coordinator here. It's his first offensive coordinator gig. Now, he is, and it's a bit of a theme for the Super Bowl, a coach of a coach, uh, because his father, Bill Callan, obviously head coach of the Raiders, last bringing them to the Super Bowl in 2003. So there is this little bit of a theme. He's been raised in that regard, but you've only been OC for a couple of years, and now here you are tasked with leading the charge and designing the right game plan in, a cool, in, in conjunction, of course, with Zach Taylor, with Joe Burrow, and with all the fantastic weapons that the Bengals have. It's going to be a great game tomorrow, and let's see what happens to this Bengals offense. You can get your opinions in using the code or hashtag IrishNFL Show. Uh, our next guest really doesn't need an introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. Legendary coach Wade Phillips, whose son is the tight ends coach for the Rams. It was a pleasure to speak with Wade Phillips this week, and here is the interview. As I click, the joys of being live. <laughs> The next guest on our Super Bowl special from Los Angeles really doesn't really need an, an, any introduction at all. He's the legendary Wade Phillips. Wade, it's, a, it's an honor to have you back on the show again. We had you on last year and we had a fantastic chat. And, and now this year, Wade, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Yeah, glad, glad to be with you guys. You guys are a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wade. And obviously, uh, Super Bowl in LA, your son Wes, part of the Rams, Obviously not the only member of your family to be involved in Super Bowls, but you must be extremely proud going into this weekend. Yeah, I really am. It's, uh, you know, you don't get this. I, after being in, 
in the league as long as I have. Uh, I realize you don't get this opportunity very many times. So it's great for him to get the opportunity. And I think they're going to win it. So it, it'll be fun. Wade, so there's been a, a Phillips Super Bowl 50, a Phillips and Super Bowl 53, a Phillips and Super Bowl 56. Uh, three three generations, uh, you know, if you go back to your, your dad and you and now, and now your son, I mean, what a what a coaching uh, lineage. Uh, talk to us a little bit about like what what makes the Phillips so good. I don't know about good, but uh, you know, my dad, of course, uh, you know he he influenced me, and hopefully, I influenced my son. That uh, coaching is really fun, you know, and it's a it's a really good profession to get into, um, mostly because you love it, you know. And so, uh, so I kind of followed my dad's footsteps, and now Wes is kind of following in mine. So, it's a, uh, it's a, it's kind of great to be. Uh, normally, you don't get all of you to get to be in the NFL. You know, you, you might coach in high school or college, but uh, it's kind of great that we're a three-generation NFL family that, that's coaching the NFL. I think it's it's just the is it the Phillips and the Shulas who have three generations, that's right? Wade? Yeah, that's right. But I'm hoping Wes is going to be a head coach here, and we'll be the only only uh, ones that had three head coaches in the NFL. We'll see. Wade, with the commitments that the players and the coaches have the week of the Super Bowl media commitments, when is the body of the work done for the, in terms of preparing for the opponent? Is it the first week leading up to traveling out to where the game is played, or is it done and then brought in as the week progresses on the second week? Yeah, I think... Uh, and, and I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but uh, it's been my experience that if you get everything done the first week, because the next week is hectic, you know, with the press and the, you know, all the stuff they have to go to. Uh, so uh, I think it's best to try to get everything done that first week and then kind of go over it the second week as you go along. But uh, the first week you want to practice hard. You want to, you want to get in your offense, your defense. And your special teams get all that ready, and then uh, the Super Bowl week is really a lot of distractions. You know, you have to go to a lot of events. You do a lot of different things. So, um, so get everything done, and then kind of go over it the the second week, and then just get ready to play. Wade, you've obviously worked with both Zach Taylor and, and Sean McVay, uh, two very interesting guys too two of the youngest guys in the league to be in their positions. Uh, what's it like to work with, uh, with Sean? He seems to be very chilled one moment and then the next moment he's so clued in. And he really has had that experience of, of losing that Super Bowl now. And he, he's had that experience to, I guess, bring him into this game this weekend to sort of fire him on. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I know he's really disappointed as we were. <laughs> we thought yeah. if we could hold Tom Brady to 13 points, we would win that game, but we didn't. So... Uh, and he was really disappointed that we only got three points in the game. So, I mean, he's obviously an offensive-oriented coach. and uh, But he, now he's got Wes to help him. So, <laughs> get my son Wes to help him on offense. And uh, and Kevin O'Connell has done a great job and who's going to be the Minnesota head coach. So, uh, you know, I think offensively they'll do well this game. They've got a good defense. So, uh, I think they'll play well overall. Now, Zach Taylor is a really good coach. I mean, he coached with us, um, you know, when I was there, and we knew he was going to 
he was good enough to be a head coach and certainly he proved it. So he's done a great job with that team. So, uh, you know, both teams are playing well, obviously, to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm still picking the Rams uh, in, in this game. Of course, you know, uh, you know, my son's in it, obviously, but I, I think the Rams have the better team and, and should win pretty handily, but we'll see. Wade, um, when we spoke to you last, you had some, you know, fantastic stories about some of the, the players you have worked with and you told us, uh, you know, and gave us some great insights and obviously, you know, there are so many, there's a litany of great players that you've worked with, but you, you did mention Aaron Donald and uh, Von Miller and, you know, the Rams being able to bring Von across and having Aaron Donald, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. Um, that, uh, that's got to, you know, be, uh, be nice for, uh, for any DC to have those players to, to coach and to work with. Oh yeah, Vaughn, uh, yeah, them getting Vaughn helped him uh, tremendously. I, I mean, he had a sack in almost every game he's played since he's been with the Rams. And so, uh, and I talked to him after this last game, you know, after the, them going to the Super Bowl and winning last week, I talked to him after the game and I said, hey, you've got an opportunity to be the only player that's ever been the MVP twice as a defensive player in the NFL, NFL history. So uh, he's got that hanging over him. And I think he's gonna, you know, he, uh, you know, Burrow's been sacked quite a bit, you know, um, and Vaughn's the kind of guy that can get to the quarterback, obviously, uh, from being the MVP in Super Bowl 50. So I wouldn't be surprised if Vaughn, you know, makes some big plays in this ball game, along with Aaron Donald. Wayne, I had an interesting comment from a Bengals fan this week. He said the pressure is on us to win this game because who knows when we will be back in the Super Bowl. It's been 33 years. I said, no, the pressure's on the Rams. They've, they're in win-now mode. They're the home team. Two years in a row, we've had a home team in the Super Bowl. Would you agree it's very much this has to be the Rams' biggest opportunity to win yeah, the Super Bowl? I think that's their opportunity. I, I think the Bengals have a great future. I mean, when you have a quarterback that young, uh, that is a great player and you you know they they really improved defensively which really helped them but they've got some great offensive weapons and a great quarterback great young quarterback that's only two years in the league um uh, you know so they've got a bright future as far as being in the playoffs for a while uh stafford's not too old but he's you know he's not young as a quarterback so i, I don't you know both of them could be there again next year we never know but i mean I think Cincinnati certainly has a bright future. Absolutely. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens this weekend with in the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Uh, before Colin wraps up, just just want to get uh, maybe what's the what's the plans this weekend? Wade? Is there going to be, you know, the the cowboy hats, uh, maybe a little bit around Korea time, a big, a big uh, Phillips family party on, on Sunday? Or have you had any special plans? Yeah, I'm just hoping to go out on the field uh, after the game because they let the you know, immediate family down there when you win. So I'm hoping to do that. Uh, and I do think the Rams will win. I think they'll win by a couple of touchdowns. So don't be surprised if they win win big in this game. They, they you know, they've been there before. The other team is is a young team. Uh, so I, I look for the Rams to win it. So we'll, we'll see. We're pulling for our family, that's for sure. Yes, sir. Oh. 
Um, absolutely. Wade, I just wanted to say I started watching the Denver Broncos following them from a small town in Ireland in 1989. They say, you know, not to, to meet your heroes, but Wade, we've had, Michael and I have had the good fortune of talking to you a number of times. You've been on the Irish NFL show a number of times. You're an absolute gentleman. I cannot thank you enough. We really appreciate chatting to you. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Hopefully uh, the, the family has great success and thanks again for joining us. You bet. I hope to get over to Ireland and, and see you guys sometime in the future. That'd be, That'd great. be great, Wade. That'd be great. Absolutely, Wade. And look, maybe we'll share a pint again us late on Sunday night after the game. <laughs> okay. Who knows? We'll see what happens. <laughs> Cheers, Wade. And that was Wade Phillips, son of Bum, the legendary Wade Phillips. Good luck to him tomorrow and his son, tight ends coach. Look, it's, it's going to be a hell of a game tomorrow. But before we talk about this Rams defense, we're going to have a quick look at some comments. Now, there's a tweet that went out this morning, and we'll do this at the end of our game picks. A lot of people have said who's going to win and why, so we'll get that at the end. But in terms of if you want to get a comment and go into the show tonight, go on YouTube and just search for Irish NFL Show, and it should go. Uh, Fred came in first and said, evening, lads. How is this scran in LA? Scran means food. Like a Liverpool oh. team, Scran. Yeah, Grub. Uh, didn't think we'd be going down that road. Um, <laughs> Fred does like his food. Every time there's a game at the weekend, he does be always saying, right, what's the what's the evening meal? Man, you you took the food question from Mark. From Mark. <laughs> yeah. Mark likes food. It's well established. If you go anywhere with Mark, he yeah. eats food. Yeah, I have to keep it fed. But yeah, no, it's all right, Fred. It's all right. We're good. We're good. The players <laughs> yeah, are eating well. That's for sure. The players are eating well. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, Jared Mullins, woohoo! Super Bowl. Thank you for watching, Jared. Really appreciate your support. Uh, D McAvoy, lucky buggers. Enjoy, lads. Kitty Q, brilliant to see you guys in LA. Great show as always, lads. Uh, Owen Thomas, great show, gentlemen. Can't wait for tomorrow. Who day? And Fred also said to us, "Are you in the stadium? We're in the stadium. It's going to be great crack tomorrow. Really looking forward to it. And content all day from about 5 p.m. Irish time. So it should be good. We are split up in the stadium." 
Callum has drawn the unfortunate straw that he's stu- he's in here with me in the game, so that should be entertaining. <laughs> if, if if we find each other at the end, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do a big video and it, it should be great crack. But yeah, it's it's going to be fantastic tomorrow, right behind us, SoFi Stadium. Uh, and look, let's look. You know, we've looked at this Bengals offense. Let's look at this Rams defense. I'll start very quickly. There's not much more to say here than this for me. Von Miller, reestablished, reborn in this Rams team. Uh, I don't want to give him a pick away yet. I think we all know where I'm going. But uh, this Rams defense is scary. I wouldn't want to play them. They're playing in. They're playing at home in, in Los Angeles. And if they, if any, if any defense in the NFL at the minute can get to Joe Burrow, Colin, this this Rams defense it has to be up there with the with the with the threats that they have. Yeah, I mean, look, their defense is absolutely phenomenal. And the pass rush, you mentioned Von Miller, but we know that Von plays best when he has, you know, a compliment. And he has two of them. He has Aaron Donald, arguably the best player in the league, not just the best defensive player, uh, Leonard Floyd uh, on on the other side. So to me, I suppose, when you look at, say, the Titans game, right, where Burrow gets hit nine times, Jeffrey Simmons has a game for the ages. Aaron Donald had to be looking at that and licking his lips and thinking like uh, this could this could be the moment because Aaron Donald is such a disruptive force. He is just phenomenal. You have to game plan for him every time, every play, every time Aaron Donald is on the field. Um, he is going to look to wreck your game plan. And we saw last year for the Rams when he wasn't fully fit, it massively impacted them. We've seen how important he's been. He has allowed and bringing in Von Miller. So the 49ers were able to do a job, you know, maintaining Donald. But they've put so much focus that it allowed Von Miller to roam free. That's the, the, I suppose, what the Bengals have to figure out is how do you stop not just Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and whatever other schemes they, uh, they come up with. They, they've got some great defensive minds in the coaching staff and, um, you know, who... Well, some of them will be moving on after the the Super Bowl, uh, which that will be very interesting uh, to see just how quickly. Uh, I suppose it depends on who wins and who loses. The, those head coaching appointments or defensive coordinator appointments are announced. But to me, the pass rush of this uh, this Rams defense it, up against what we talked about, a potentially porous Bengals O-line, I'm fascinated to see how they scheme, how it goes. But yeah, look, if, if you were to look at it as a from a Rams perspective, that's a, a massive advantage, you would have to say. Will it play out that way? That remains to be seen. Brian, this Rams defense might like the heat tomorrow because it's warm here, isn't it? But... It's really, really scorching. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that heart advert. This is when I fry an egg on the. This is when I took the advice of wearing those sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we touched on the offensive line. Colin has called out how impactful this defense can be with the rush. If they do manage it and the offensive line does show up tomorrow and do, does a job, then they get the ball out and they have Chase and they have Higgins and they have all these players. It'll be interesting within the second if you see tactically how the Rams manage it. Ramsey has only given up one game this season over 60 yards. And that, in fact, was the playoff game a couple of weeks ago against. The books, and that was large part of that was that Mike Evans touchdown for Brady, which was 48 yards. So you take that out, and he probably has done a whole season without giving up over 60 yards. Will they put him on chase? You, um, Marcus called out T Higgins, how crucial he is. Will they, will they go with him? Will he, will he follow T Higgins and they double up chase? It will be interesting to see in the dynamics of the game how they manage that that situation because it will at some stage come up stage, maybe towards the second half, where they, where they go deep because they have potentially, depending on the score, they've got to get back into it. To me, that's also another key point in the game. Will they be able to cover Chase? Will they be able to cover Higgins and manage that situation? 
Yeah, but there's a slight misnomer in this. Like Jalen Ramsey is a shutdown, fantastic corner. He's proved that in multiple stops, obviously, both in Jacksonville and now in L.A. But he doesn't always apply just on one receiver. In fact, uh, the game against Evans was the first time he topped over 60% of the snaps on one particular receiver uh, all season long, or at least since week 12. Sorry, at least since week 12. So it's very much they try and twist the dial. And thankfully for the Rams, they may be getting Taylor Rapp back, which is an important part of that. When we talked about the Bengals, I mean, they've actually very multiple in their secondary. Uh, Von Bell and, and Jesse Bates are actually probably one of the better safety duos in the league. And they play a lot of split safety looks, and then they go single high safety, mix in man and zone very uh, frequently. The last few weeks, the Rams haven't had the same fungibility and flexibility in their secondary. They're relying upon the old man. They're relying upon Eric Weddle to play 60 snaps in the NFC Championship game. So Rap coming back, allowing a little bit more uh, scope in that regard is very helpful. But at some point, whether it's Long, whether it's Scott, someone's going to have to tie, cover Tyler Boyd as well. That's where the triplets come into effect, and that's an issue. But you say about Miller, you say about Donald, and you say about Floyd Column as well, and I fully agree. But don't overlook the rest of that front. Greg Gaines, Robinson in that front. I talked about that 5-1 matching up generally against the base 12 offense. And you go Miller, Donald, Gaines, Robinson. Floyd, I mean, Boom. that is not a pretty sense. And Troy Reader, underrated linebacker, roaming around behind. Um, it's a, it's a very, very good defense, guys. I, I, I would have thought you both would be cheering for the Rams tomorrow because well, you like Sivan Miller. Ian picks at the end, Brian. Ian picks at cheering the... or picks is different. Who you're cheering for may not be who you. I would, pick. I would love to see Vaughn Miller. Well, I, the love affair this week was was great to see on the Bears show. I think Colin was the one who kicked it all off because I went, went for it after that. All the Broncos people were jumping all over it. Love. He might throw a few diamonds off that ring. called out the Irish fans yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few diamonds well, off that ring could be sent back to Denver. Well, in fairness to, to Vaughn, I thought his answer, I, I asked him about like playing again in the Super Bowl and he talked about, like you know, Vaughn, really interesting talk about in service of others, right? That he played Super Bowl 50 because he wanted to win it for Wade Phillips, who hadn't won one. He wanted to win it for DeMarcus Ware. And I think that speaks to who he is. Um, so they've got some real great characters on it. And the other thing in terms of characters, Eric Weddle is going to wear the green dot, right? Having just come Oof. back out of retirement, <laughs> he is going to green dot. That is, that's incredible. Like I, we didn't talk about that enough to, to have that, to come back out of retirement, to have a couple of weeks and then to green dot in a Super Bowl, just well, phenomenal. Column, I alluded to a couple of weeks ago, it's almost like the Ray Bork story in the NHL. You know, whiling away his times with the Boston Bruins, um, even the fans were delighted to see him go on and move on to the Avalanche and ultimately win a Stanley Cup. You know, I don't know if Chargers fans will be as delighted being in the same city <laughs> to see him win a Super Bowl with the Rams, but I'm pretty sure they will be they'll be pretty happy for the man himself. I mean, he carries himself with great, um, you know, just as a gentleman altogether. And uh, I think the respect for him came out, actually, uh, what T. Higgins said about him yesterday and others have said about him. So, um, you know, definitely a key part of this whole situation and game tomorrow. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but when he was traded away from the Broncos, he recognized the reason why the Broncos were doing it for the good of the organization moving forward. We don't want to get into a conversation about other teams today because it's all about the Super Bowl. But... He's come in, he's been imp impactful, and more so in the playoffs. And he, like, they went to the rushes. Statistically, the rushes they put together in the playoffs is nearly more than what Miller and Donald did in the regular season. But obviously, they've, they've caught light in the bottle at the right time. They're coming together as a defense at the right time. And 
tough tough day ahead for Burrow, but he can handle slightly different Rams team to the Super Bowl where they got beaten by the Patriots a few years ago. But you know, if the defense plays as well as that, they've definitely got a chance tomorrow. Alan Stafford uh, saying, uh, "I'm sitting here watching you guys eat a pizza in Dublin, going to cheer on the Rams tomorrow because it's the only time a Stafford will win a Super Bowl." Hence my second name. <laughs> Thanks again for, for the great price. Uh, Fred is signing off, saying it's great to see four Irish lads chase their dream. Thank you very much, Fred. Thanks everyone watching as He's well. eating pizza. Um, I felt like I ran a 20k walk in the Olympics yesterday yesterday because Colin brought us to a pizza place and me and Mark were extremely tired by the time we got there. Colin likes to walk. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so there's so many things we can talk about here, including Effie Ovala last night, which was incredible. That's yeah, cool. I'm, we've run into a few great people. We've run into some great people here at the Super already, but I mean, we've also obviously been having a lot of great guests on and very grateful to all the guests during the year but especially the guests, obviously, for our Super Bowl show. Um, we try to bring you the best and the greatest, as it were. Uh, and so we're talking about defense. It's probably only best to keep it on the defensive side and flip it over to one of the, the great defensive, uh, well, players. He played for the 85 Bears. He then came back uh, as a coach and obviously has brought a team to the Super Bowl before both as a defensive coordinator with the Bears in 2006 and the Panthers in 2015. We were honored earlier today uh, to talk to Riverboat Ron, the head coach uh, of the Washington Commanders. Uh, Washington Commanders. Commanders. Yeah, it doesn't slip off the tongue yet. Ron Rivera. Okay, folks, uh, fantastic to be in LA. Fantastic to have a special guest on. I think it's our first head coach. We've had GMs on head coach of the newly named Washington Commanders. You know who he is, Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera. Ron, it's an honor to have you on the Irish NFL show. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to be on, and I'm looking forward to today's or tomorrow's game. Coach, we ask everybody this, especially our guests from the States. Uh, have you any uh, heritage to Ireland, any connection to Ireland? You, if I'm correct, had your first coaching game in Ireland in that uh, memorable game in Crook Park in the 90s. Yeah, I did. In, in 1999, when I was first started my coaching career working for the Chicago Bears, we played Pittsburgh, the Steelers, uh, in Dublin, and, and we had a great time. We really did. It was we spent the whole week there. Uh, it was a we found it a, a very beautiful country, very lovely people. We really enjoyed our time. Coach, I was at that game in Dublin and we had uh, Coach Cower on with us a few months back and he had some funny stories about that game. But uh, we, we are here in LA, it's your home state of California. You starred for, for the Golden Bears. Just interested in, in your thoughts, how excited are you that the Super Bowl is back in LA and California for the first time since 1993? I think it's really a cool deal because, you know, this is such a, a big country and, and for the, 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 the NFL not to have its greatest game every year uh, in at least once in a while in L.A., it has to happen. It's been a lot of fun. I've been down here, you know, I got here on Wednesday and, and, and we've been busy every day, but we've also had an opportunity to go out to the parties and hit the town a little bit. So we've had a good time. We really have enjoyed it. Coach, last year in the lead up to the Super Bowl, we had a former teammate of yours, Mike Singletary, on the show, and he discussed that great '85 Bears team. Can you uh, reflect on your memories of that team? And, uh, bring oh my God! Up? You know, it, it, it's funny because every time we get around Super Bowl season, they start playing the Super Bowl Shuffle, and uh, so it does bring back a lot of good memories. I mean, you know, when 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 you're part of something that was very special, 
uh, the thing you remember are all the guys, your teammates. And, and I was very fortunate. We had some great guys on the team. You know, some of my best buddies I still stay in touch with. I still talk with Dan Hampton and Jim Morrissey. And every now and then Mike and I will get, you know, we'll get in touch with everybody. Uh, and also Sean Gale. I, I believe Sean's working for the Sky Network out there uh, in Europe and uh, covering the NFL for, 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 uh, for the Sky Network. That's right, Coach, and we, we often watch Sean and his insight every Sunday uh, on our NFL coverage, which obviously goes into the night for us uh, back in Ireland. But, Coach, if I may, you mentioned you started your coaching career effectively at Croke Park, like many Irish legends have started their coaching careers there, so you're in some good company. But your coaching career took you through, obviously, some great stops uh, under Andy Reid in Philadelphia, some big games in the NFC Championship, um, obviously as D coordinator for the Bears in 06. Uh, when you went to the Super Bowl as well. But you are, of course, probably best known to most NFL fans your time last 11 years as a head coach of the Carolina Panthers and now, obviously, as the Washington Commanders. I'm just interested, Coach. Obviously, the experience of a Super Bowl as a head coach is very different from that as a player. And when you brought that story 15-1 Panthers team back in 2015 to the Super Bowl, how much different was it for you? And can you give us a bit of an insight into maybe what Sean McVay and Zach Taylor are going through in the last few days in the build-up to Super Bowl 56? Well, it, I think it's a great question because nobody realizes and understands what, what this week is all about. You know, I got to the, to the belief, and in, in, in when we went, when I was in Carolina back in 2015, and realized that, you know, this is an event that lasts for six days. And then on finally on the seventh, you play a football game. But everybody's so caught up in what's going on and the experiences that you have being there that it, it, it will take away from, from, from some of the things that happen as far as preparation if you don't battle against it. And, and that's the thing that I always regret more so than anything else is that getting ready for the Super Bowl, we had too many distractions that I wasn't able to shield the players away from. And, and I think at the end of the day, it caught up to us a little bit. The other thing, too, is – you know, the, the, the thing you got to do is you got to make sure the players at least appreciate their situation, circumstances, because it's hard to get back. It really is. So if, if you know, losing that game like we did, unfortunately, in 2015, it's kind of left a little bit of a scar because it, it, it is so hard to get there. And then it's even harder to win that, you know, you never know when you'll get that chance again. So, you know, that's what I'm working towards. I'm working towards and hopefully getting that opportunity to get back so that, uh, you know, I can correct those things and, and, and win one as a head coach. And coach, obviously for you, there's there's no rest for a head coach. And last season didn't really unfold as you would have liked losing Fitz in your first game. Uh, Taylor Heineke gave you some great starts in just last season. Uh, and we've seen in a recent interview where you indicated that all avenues are open on your search for a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, sort of wondering about your approach on that and how you commence your team building ahead for the 2022 season, especially when people in Europe might not realize, you know, you got seven months until you play a game. So there, there's 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 a lot to do. You know, this, you know, this really is becoming a quarterback league. You know, it, it used to be where, you know, you could have a great team and win it. But unless you have a great team with a good, great type quarterback, it's, it's very hard. So one of the things that we've decided in, in terms of what we need to do going forward is we need to identify and find out who our franchise quarterback is. So, you know, whether we have Taylor or somebody that can develop and grow into that guy in the next year or two, or we go out and we find one through free agency, we find one through the draft, or we make a trade and bring that guy to our football team. So, um, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of evaluating. We're going to have to do a lot of talking, just trying to find that guy. But, 
you know, if we can do that, I believe we can be a very, very good football team and even contend to, to, to get to the Super Bowl. Coach, the Washington football team have a storied past, some great teams you alluded to. We've had Mark Schlereth on the show, and he's told us some great stories. Obviously, Michael said at the start that the new name, in terms of your own input into the Commanders, did you have uh, much of a say, and, and what does the Commanders mean to you? Well, you know, when we were going through this process, obviously we had to change the name uh, from originally from the from the Redskins to the Washington football team. But when we were making the, that transition, one of the things that we did was we opened it up to the to, to the fan base and asked them, hey, give us your suggestions. Tell us what you what you think would be a good name. And we got almost 30,000 submissions. So as we went through that, you know, the, our, our group of people, we, 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 we kind of whittled that that list down and kept whittling it down. So we got to a couple hundred, I think like 250. And then that's kind of when they brought several names to me, to my attention. Um, you know, and, and they asked me to give me my top 10. I gave them my top 10. We whittled that down to, to pretty much a final eight, I think it was, or six. And uh, we talked about it. But then I know uh, Mr. and Mrs. Snyder and Jason, they got together and, and, and you know, they picked the commanders. I think it's a cool name because of, of where we are, where we're located. You know, we're in the D.C. area between Virginia, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. And, you know, it, it kind of speaks to, to, to it, it, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty much the, uh, the center of, of our political uh, power, and it's also the center of our military power. So it, it kind of works together, uh, you know, being known as the commanders. It speaks to the community. So I, I think it's a good name. I think they made a good decision going forward with it. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it'll grow on us, just like Washington football team had to grow on everybody. I think now that the, uh, you know, the commanders is out there, I think it'll grow on our fan base. And, you know, guys, the one thing that really helps more so than anything else is you got you to gotta win. You know, if we can win some football games early, we'll get people's attention. Coach, uh, I lost my mother to cancer a short period before you started your own treatment. So I found your story at the time very encouraging and I really delved into it. When you look back at that period, do you take anything away from that that you, I suppose, translate into, into your everyday life now and, I suppose, from a football well, standpoint? Probably Probably the biggest thing I've taken away from it is is really, you know, you have to every now and then take a break and focus and take care of yourself. Um, you know, I found I'm resilient. I found I'm a little bit tougher than I realized um, because when you go through something like that, and I, and I know you saw, probably saw the effects on your mother, um, you, you don't realize how strong you are until you go through something like that. You don't realize um, what you have in terms of people around you. You know, my, my wife and my daughter were my primary caretakers and just to see the courage in which they helped me through this that, that has really helped me um what i appreciate too is the way the players rallied around me it supported me as well so it was one of those things that kind of brought us together i think and and, and especially during the pandemic when you really couldn't get together um yeah you know it was it was something i think that um as an experience you know the, the thing i learned also is that you know, do what you're told. I mean, I, we follow the doctor's directives right off the bat, and, and we never wavered. And and believe me, you find out a lot about yourself when you go through something like that. Uh, coach, Sir Isaac Newton once received a famous science award, and he said, if I can see further than you, it is only because I am standing on the shoulders of giants. And diversity in the NFL has been a major focus, obviously for a number of years, but it's been under particular focus at the moment. And I think in terms of Latino head coaches, obviously you stand after the greats of Tom Fears and Tom Flores in this regard. 
But being a head coach in the league for over 11 years, being the figurehead and leading light to a number of Latino coaches, obviously some of whom are now joining you in the head coaching ranks next year. How have you found, I suppose, that experience, that leadership and that, that aspect of people looking up to you and looking to follow your journey into the NFL? You know, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, throughout my entire football career, uh, it's always been, you know, hey, you're an example. You're an example. You know, the other Latinos are looking up to you. Other Latinos have expectations for you. You know, um, I've, so I've been I've been aware of it. And so I've always tried to carry myself a certain. And, and you guys have done a great job in terms of showing that our, our fan bases are becoming diverse by, you know, obviously in, in Ireland, you folks are watching American football and appreciating it. So thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Coach. Uh, you know, to, to speak to a head coach in the NFL is one thing, but to speak to someone like yourself, Coach, is, is an honour, especially on the weekend that it is a Super Bowl in California. And we massively appreciate you speaking to us. And hopefully well, we can uh, play around the golf or, or, or share a pint in Ireland at some point over the summer. Yeah, that would be a cool thing. You guys got to make sure you send information out to us, okay? Because I think we're going out there sometime around June 20th, I think. We're going to be out there for about 10 days. Um, but if you guys get your information to me, hey, I'll make sure I reach out. Welcome back in live. Love how I got the countdown right there. That was the advert was for the College Football Ireland game in August. Uh, tickets go on sale the 25th of March. Northwestern playing Nebraska. All information is at collegefootballireland.com. Can't wait to go to that game in August. It's going to be a good crack. Week zero of the college football season. And then we're going to hit the NFL in two weeks later. I think Brian's paying for the first weekend over. In all seriousness, so I mean, that's going to happen, Brian. But uh, great to speak to Ron Rivera, head coach who's been through so much over the last few years but such a distinguished man in the nfl and a bit of technical it just just a wee bit of a technical glitch towards the end of that interview but still call him a, a fantastic interview yeah i mean to have the opportunity to speak to a, a current head coach in the league is absolutely phenomenal and ron is just such an inspirational figure i think what he did as a player and then moving into the league as, as a coach and you heard him there how he's always known he's had to be an example he's held himself that way just a, a absolutely phenomenal coach but an even better person you'd have to say absolutely brand he's so highly respected there's probably large continue the fans are across the league would love to have him as their head coach a couple of years back when i was hoping that would be the case we've had a numerous guests on over the past 18 months we've been very fortunate to have a lot of great people on but that again would be up there you know to have a head coach a current head coach from the league on he spoke for so much both on the field his personal life situation over the past few years 
he had to go through a cancer situation. He's come, he's come out of that and he's still coaching in the league. It's fantastic. He touched on that. He touched on being in Ireland back in the day when he was with the Bears. It was it truly was a great, great interview. Mark, he's been here. He knows what it's like to go to a Super Bowl and obviously to taste defeat, but he's been here. He knows what it's like. I mean, he, he knows the, the pleasant side of winning and he knows the bitter taste of, of defeat. And as we alluded to, has been here as a player, as a coordinator and as a head coach. Um, so he knows what Zach Taylor and Sean McVay are going through right about now, but he equally knows what all of those players are feeling like in the build-up, as always now, to Super Bowl 56. Yes, sir. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Well, I don't even know. It's so warm here now. I'm just singing to try and get myself to it. This is great. Live from SoFi Stadium, uh, ahead of the game tomorrow. NFL, karaoke. You get it all on the Irish NFL, NFL show. Uh, Bengals defense. Now, Colin, this is like a jigsaw puzzle. They've added so many parts to this in such a short period of time, and it's worked. And the chemistry between these guys is unbelievable. They're going to this game tomorrow. Yeah, well, I suppose for me, um, it's the, the law firm or the accountancy firm, Hendrickson, Hubbard and Hill, who have been absolutely phenomenal. They, um, as a trio, have more sacks. They have um, seven QB sacks. They are ahead of Aaron Donald, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, despite all the, the talk that we just gave to the Rams defense. Hendrickson, I think, is the, the standout for me. He's a guy who had a career year with the, the Saints. And sometimes you wonder, you know, oh, it's contract year. Is he putting it in so he gets the money? He gets the big contract and maybe rests uh, on his laurels? Not the case with Trey Hendrickson. He has gone and bettered his career year. And he uh, is somebody that the Rams uh, are going to have to keep uh, a real eye on. But you'd have to say in Hubbard, uh, Hill and Hendrickson, they could cause issues for Matthew Stafford. We know Matthew Stafford can be prone to mistakes. We know he can throw interceptions. We know he can throw pick sixes if you get pressure on him. Nobody likes uh, pressure, not even the wonderful, talented, amazing Thomas Edward Brady. He didn't like uh, pressure, you know. When he, when he did lose, uh, it was because of pressure coming at him. So for the, the Bengals, to me, uh, those three are going to be key if they are to get to Stafford, disrupt what the, the Rams can do. We know about the, the Rams' offensive weapons, but the Bengals have in those three, uh, three guys who can get to the QB. I think they're capable of doing it. Brian, obviously Stafford tomorrow, he hasn't been in this position before. So he is going to be under pressure. That defense has a massive opportunity at the start of the game. He hasn't been under, I suppose, in this position before. He's, he's he's won over 100 games in the NFL. The last four quarterbacks to go to the Super Bowl in that situation have all won. So if he does it tomorrow, it's a clean sweep. As we touched on, it's a very different scenario. He's been in the league for a long time with the Lions. He's gone he's gone to the Rams. He'll look to exploit what I feel is a precarious secondary. You talk about the jigsaw board, you put pieces together. Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers, Eli Apple. Eli Apple, like... Some players, as you think they're gone, they're done. They just haven't materialized to the period. And they're back. They talk, and then all of a sudden, they find themselves in the Super Bowl. He was first-round pick for the Giants in 2016, three years, never really got it together, went to the Saints, struggled, went to the Panthers, struggled. Bengals took a flyer on him, and here he is playing the Super Bowl. We've seen in some of the playoffs games where teams have pinpointed him as a weak spot. Be interested to see how the Rams do that tomorrow, because the Rams, we know we're going to come to the Rams. They've got a lot of explosive weapons on offense. But overall, they've done a really solid job throughout the year defensively, you know, both at the front and the secondary high-scoring games, but they have shut down teams at times, and so it will be interesting to see how they handle that Rams' explosive offense tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear. The Cincinnati Bengals should not be here. They should not be here. They're 21-3 down in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead, and all hope seemed lost. 
But what we forget in that amazing comeback is that amazing comeback, yes, it needs a bit of implosion from the Chiefs. Yes, it needs an amazing offensive performance by the Bengals to come back, but it needs their defense to suddenly stand up, be stout, and completely erase one of the most explosive offenses in the league. And the reason they did it, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not confusing them with a no-name defense, the 72 Dolphins, or the 85 Bears at this regard, but they're an extremely talented and underrated defense. Logan Wilson at linebacker, he's a star. He's just, you don't know his name yet. You will. He is a star. And I've already alluded to them earlier. The safety duo and tandem, up there in the top two or three for me in the entire league in terms of their flexibility. Uh, Von Bell and Jesse Bates. I mean, Jesse Bates opened the Titans game, remember, with an inception. He then closed out, basically, the Chiefs game with the final inception of Patrick Mahomes there. Uh, and Von Bell coming down low, stopping those crossing routes in the Chiefs game. That's a very big part of what the Rams can do as well. Those stacked formations, running some crossing routes, trying to get free people. So him being down in the box, if they're doing a single high safety look and he's closer to the box, is going to be critical. Um, don't sleep on them. Don't underestimate what they can do. Uh, because they've proved it all already and they deserve that respect. And, you know, it's it, just two corrections for me. It's Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. You don't want to. All right, Mark. All right. And also, um, Sam Hubbard, he loved the law firm reference yesterday. We threw that at him and he he he, he giggled at that. He thought that was pretty <laughs> um, I, I look at guys like Zach Kerr. Zach Kerr was signed in January the 19th last year and the way he's played this season. Uh, GJ Reader as well, who really has tried to prove his deal. And look, lads, it's more about the combination of this defense and the way that they play and the way they play for each other. CJ Azuma describing them as a bunch of dogs. They really are a bunch yeah. of dogs. You look at that Titans game, the way they played. Like, there's one thing we can say here all, oh, that oh, they can get to Burrow easily. Well, the defense is doing its job. If the defense does the same sort of job tomorrow, like they've done against the Titans, they may not have, they may not have any problem at all when it comes when to. This season started, everybody talks about the Rams defense. And for large parts of the season, even when they were struggling, everybody talks about the Rams defense. And by and large, even coming into this game, everybody's talked about the Rams defense. And the Bengals, to a certain extent, are going a little bit under the radar. And Colin Scott, they such, you know, in terms of the commodity, what they've done throughout the season. The rankings for the season, Rams 18th best defense, Bengals 19th best defense. They are literally on par with one another. As I said, they've had more sacks than the guys in which we've outlined on the Rams side. So they are quite evenly matched. Again, it's about who ultimately gets to the quarterback the most. Yeah, but but Michael, you mentioned DJ Reader. Um, he's been a critical part. That Titans game, the the Bengals front contained Derrick Henry, and you can say it wasn't a fully fit Derrick Henry. It's still Derrick Henry. It's still a similar zone read type offense in attempts, to similar to what they might expect in how the Rams are going to try and run the ball. And DJ Reader, frankly, blew that up time and time again. It was an amazing performance by him. And if he has another big game, then. You know, the big cats will be prowling again tomorrow night. Just before we get our next guest on, Dan Arvosky from ESPN, we got a comment from Danny saying, uh, round of golf with Riverboat Ron will be magic. Who's the best golfer out of us four? I'm going to say me. I can hit the ball about 250 yards. I can't finish from the short range, but... I can absolutely 100% say it is mm. not me. The only person I've ever heard of the four was actually talking about playing around the golf is Mark. So I'm going to go with Mark. Well, here, look, we've not going to be out the next, what, like Drive. 47 Sundays or something? So right, Michael, like... driving's for show, putting's for dough. So yeah. I'll take you. Um, talking about someone, though, who isn't for show, he's definitely the dough, uh, as, uh, as Michael wow. just said. Our next guest today on our Super Bowl special show is uh, the one and only Dan Orlovsky from ESPN. He may not know that there are only 10 yards in the end zone instead of 11, as he alludes to himself on his Twitter bio, but he's an amazing, insightful analyst, probably someone that knows Matt Stafford better than anyone 
uh, in the league and all the time he's spent with him over the years and talks about him ever so highly, but also gives an amazing breakdown on both sides of the ball as to how he sees the game going. So next on our show, Dan Orlovsky. Okay, live from Los Angeles, the Irish NFL show. Delighted to have some some great guests on this show today. Ron Rivera, Wade Phillips. This next guy doesn't really need an introduction, an introduction because if you see him on Twitter, watch him in ESPN NFL Live. Dan Arvosky, man, it's Dan. It's brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Thank you for that introduction, man. I'm I'm excited to talk some football. Yes, sir. And we ask every US based guest is at least have you ever been to Ireland? Have you any Irish heritage? Because Colin was asking Joey yeah. B this week and he, he, he's got a little Irish himself. It's in. Yeah, I have been to Ireland. I've been to Ireland actually on St. Patrick's day in Temple bar district. Um, my wife, um, her mother's maiden name is McFarland. Um, so we did the whole Scotland and Ireland thing, uh, probably a dozen years ago. Uh, had an absolute blast. We had a, we had a good day on St. Patrick's day for sure. Yes, in Patrick's Day in uh, Temple Bar would certainly be uh, memorable, Dan. Yeah. Now, now I suppose, um, look, one of the, the things that uh, this year you have become uh, very famous for is uh, being the maybe the, the founding member of the, the Matthew Stafford cl fan club. Um, but <laughs> yeah. this has been going on for years. This has not just begun this year. I think it's getting the attention given yeah. that Matthew Stafford is, is with the Rams. But, you know, if you do your research, you were talking up Matty Stafford in 2015, 2016. Can you talk to us just a little bit about Matthew Stafford, uh, the person, and Matthew Stafford, yeah. the, the quarterback. Yeah, I think the person is, is probably the part that gets lost in the conversation the most. Um, he's a quiet, reserved guy, so he doesn't like to be kind of the center of attention, which is crazy because the, on the football field, he loves to be the center of attention, certainly in big moments. You know, the, the best way for me to describe him is to kind of share some of the stories of my interactions with him. You know, I remember sitting there talking with him one time and he was telling us about kind of um, just like his football journey. So he grew up in Highland Park, Texas, which is a pretty big area of Texas when it comes to high school football right near the Cowboys. And he was telling us the story. We asked him like, hey, man, like, why did you commit to Georgia and University of Georgia where he went to school? And he was just like, honestly, I committed to Georgia because I got so sick and tired of the recruiting process. And he basically was saying, like, he, he got so tired of people fawning over him and telling him how good he was. He was just like, listen, I'm just going to Georgia, you know, because, like, the question was, how did, how did the Texas boy not go to Texas? And he was like, I just wanted, I just wanted it to be over. Um, and it just kind of gives the example of, you know, the type of – he doesn't like that kind of, Matthew, you're so good um, attention. Another story that he was sharing with us was when he was at Georgia – he was a sophomore and they played on the road versus the University of Tennessee and they lost. And his dad came on to him after the game on the field, put his arm around him. He's like, all right, it's all right, Matthew, we'll get him next time. And uh, he looked up at his dad and said, there will be no next time. You know, meaning I'm a sophomore. We play them at home next year when I'm a junior. I'm not going to be back here next time. I'm going to the NFL. And so he's had that vision for a long time. And, you know, we were watching tape, I think in like 2014, 2015, one time with him. And uh, he fit this throw into a really small window, like four guys are around. He's, and it wasn't a game-winning situation. It was just a random, you know, normal down and distance plane. He fits this ball into a window 25 yards downfield. And I remember, you know, play, watching the tape with them and fast forward, we won. And I'm like, Matthew, why? You know, and 
I'm like, there's an underneath receiver at eight yards wide open. No one's near him. And your guy's 25 yards downfield and you're trying to fit the ball. And now you do, but why, why, like, why wouldn't you take this easier throw? And he looked at me, he said, because you can't, you know, and that's the type of player he is. And it wasn't like this disrespectful thing, but he was like, I want to make that throw because people like you can't and people like me can. And I think he relishes trying to do those really, really difficult things physically. And, uh, He's um, I, I, I've always said he's got the ability to be two people at one time, you know, like he inherently unquestionably knows that he is the guy, like he is the franchise quarterback. He is the alpha male, but at the same time, just has always wanted to be a guy just wants to be one of the 53 he wants to fit in. And he loves being in that kind of role. And uh, I think that's one of his rare, unique qualities. So Dan, um, you mentioned about Matthew Stafford that's, Sticking with the Rams for a second, um, Sean McVay, I mean, you were there at the, if you like, the inception of his birth as a head coach. I mean, you were very briefly on the practice squad there at the Rams in 2017. I'm just curious of your thoughts on both Sean McVay then and what he's become now. I mean, Colin's alluded to in press conferences, like he's got no tree of a coaching tree there. But mm-hmm. uh, you, would you have imagined that back in 2017 when you, you first engaged him? Oh, for sure. You know, the, the honestly, the first team meeting that we were in, I leaned over to Jared Goff and I said, you're going to be fine, you know, because Sean was just so brilliant. I think the fascinating thing about Sean then and then really the Super Bowl journey that he went on a couple of years ago with Jared Goff and to where he is now is, you know, Sean realized I'm part of this offense, this Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense that has you know, been around the NFL for 40 years and it's been awesome for 40 years, but it really hasn't evolved and it hasn't needed to. You know, it's, it's, it's been such a staple. And Sean realized, I love this offense, but it's not good enough for me to win a Super Bowl with. And that's why I think he's, he's, what he's done is he's taken some of the play action pass concepts from that offense and made them drop back concepts. And, and now that he's gotten a guy like Matthew that he can do that with, that's why that pass game has become so vertically developed. And it's become such a big deal is Sean realized for them to go win a Super Bowl, he loved the stuff of it, but he needed to grow it. And that's why we've seen them go a little bit away from the play action game and a little bit more to the drop back game, but still be able to create those chunks in the pass game. Just one last quick fire round here, Dan, if that's okay. For me, in Ireland, we say it's good crack if something's fun. And look, we've had Mina on the show, been so fortunate to have her on the show in the off season and yourself, Mina, Laura, Marcus, everyone seems to have great crack on NFL Live. Uh, also, you're in Disneyland at the minute. What makes it so special? Because I love, like, I mean, we, we don't really have the chance to watch it live here, but just like on social, seeing the post, it's fantastic, man. What makes the show special, like this crew? Um, you know, I think there's a couple of things, guys. I think, first of all, we all legit are friends. Like, we all, we're, we're fortunate in that regard. I've known Marcus, you know, Marcus and I were drafted in the same year in the NFL, 2005. So we're talking 17 plus years. Um, you know, Ryan Clark has got the reputation of, as a player, and, and we've known Ryan for 15-plus years from playing against him. Laura is as selfless as a host as you can be, really. I mean, she just – she does not care to be part of the attention, so to speak. She's so good, and she's phenomenal at bouncing stuff off, and I think Mina's flat-out brilliant. I think, you know, um, the strength of Mina is, is she's never allowed – the fact that she didn't play football scare her away from saying things that she was convicted about. She's brilliant. She's super smart. All that. I know a lot of smart people. She's never allowed that to, to scare her away from saying things. She's also never stopped trying to learn. 
you know, the things that we know. She, I, I, uh, hundreds of text messages that, that she has sent to me. Hey, what does this mean? What do you mean by this? Hey, I heard you say this. What do you mean? Or, hey, I saw this. Am I seeing it right? So, you know, that is great. And then we, we, we just have a real genuine love for each other. I think we're all very aware, though, too, of like the pocket that we're in right now, you know, and, and how special what we, we've all worked in television and how, how special this group is. And Ryan said something at the beginning of the year that probably is the greatest reason why um, the amount of respect that we have for each other and what that person is saying and the work that they had to put in to say what they're saying is huge because then it allows you to listen and hear the things that they're saying. And that's a rarity in television. Um, and I, I think that's why we, yeah, and I, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a blessing and a joy to go to work with them every day. And it doesn't feel like work. It truly feels like we're just chopping it up. And I think a lot of us would tell you this. We, those people are family, you know, those, we grew up in team sports. Those people are family to us. Dan, I suppose the the other QB is going to be a talking point this um, this weekend. I, Joe Burrow, he's faced adversity in college and he he, mm -hmm. he overcame it. He comes into the league. He has a major knee injury, and here he is in his thirtieth game playing in a Super Bowl. As a as a former QB and a QB analyst. What do you make of uh, Joey B, Joe Cool, or whatever the, he's going by uh, on this particular day? Yeah, he, Joe has that rare um, 0.001% mindset of he's an assassin. He's trying to embarrass you on the football field. You know, Joey ain't trying to just beat you. He's trying to embarrass you um, while also never allowing his post to elevate. You know, he's never, he never allows the moment to become too big for him where his heart rate to go, starts to go up or his pulse starts to go up and, and elevates. He's just very calm. And uh, while also having that mindset, I call college football for, for ESPN. And a couple of years ago, I did the national title game when it was LSU versus Clemson and it was Trevor Lawrence versus Joe. And I was, I, I love Trevor Lawrence. I think the world of him. And, and I was very much so a Trevor Lawrence guy in that game, going into that game. I did the mega cast on ESPN 2-4. So we were down on the field level and I'm watching this game and I'm just taking it all in from Burrow. And I just remember thinking to myself after the game, that's the guy. Like that, that's the dude. And that dude is a stone cold killer. Just the way he carried himself from the first start of that, from the start of that game to the last play of that game. And um, I think it's carried over. Um, I think he's got um, ultra confidence confidence that is that borderline cockiness um he 100 is driven by ego he just doesn't have an ego problem um and i think that joe joe and i said this for him coming out of college he does all the things that are most important quarterbacking wise and so he's not six foot six 250 pounds and runs at four four but he does all the things so well ball placement accuracy anticipation where do i have to throw where do i throw this ball when do i throw it? how do i throw it? what kind of throw should, should it be and i think he, he just has that that skill set um and i'm i'm excited to watch him you know try to again do the impossible so to speak against a, a defense that should have success against him but that's been the case for weeks now Dan, um, one of the things uh, that's very clear from your Twitter bio is you're, you've got a good personality. You can, you know, take the mick out of yourself, as we say over here. I mean, I think you say play, uh, end zone should be 11 yards deep. Um, but one of the other aspects that comes through loud and clear, I would say, it, that we see all the way through the season is the spirit and the detail of your analysis, which really takes everyone into the nuances behind the plays, which only when you break down the coaches feel 
film do you see that those detailed nuances and especially with your experience uh, as a quarterback in the league i'm just curious both teams potentially about their first choice tight end both teams everyone talks about the big name players but what are the nuances you're noting going into tomorrow's game that maybe are going unsaid or unnoticed that you think people should be looking out for and how they're going to approach yeah. it yeah it's a great question i could give you a couple from kind of each side of the ball for each team you know i think cincinnati offensively how many different ways can they get Joe Mixon the ball in their screen game? You know, the, the Rams are great defensively, uh, but they do not defend the screen pass well. And it's not only your traditional quarterback drop catch the ball, or drop back three steps, look this way, then throw a screen that way. It's they got these multitudes of screens. Um, sometimes they're slip screens that happen quickly. Sometimes they're, um, you know, play action screens that get defenses running out of there and then you get it out in space a little bit. The perimeter. So I think the multitude of screens to a guy like Joe Mixon against some of, you know, a Troy reader at linebacker can be huge. Um, how does the, how do the Rams defensively decide to play Jamar Chase with Jalen? You know, is is Jalen going to be following him? Is he not going to follow him? Is he going to play, say, a T. Higgins and they're going to double Jamar Chase? So that's a really interesting thing to watch. Um, Cincinnati specifically to their offense, and I think for the Rams defensively, it's uh, certainly back to the Jalen point. How many times do they decide to blitz Troy Reader, you know, and not put him in coverage because that's what they've done over the last four or five weeks to, you know, minimize him. Um, how many batted balls do they get? I mean, if you're thinking as a defensive lineman, they're going to get this ball out quickly because they can't protect us. Well, let's let's get our hands up. So I think that's a big conversation piece. Um, I think for the Rams offensively, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's fascinating because you don't know what Cincinnati is going to give you defensively. Cincinnati is a Rolodex of defense. Hey, man, we do this one week. We do this the next week. We do this the next week. So you don't really know. Um, I, you know, Cooper Cup has got 25 catches in the postseason. Mike Hilton, the nickel corner for the Bengals, has given up three. Okay, so who wins that matchup is going to be huge. Who wins? You know, Mike Hilton is a huge part of this game. You know, and no one, everyone's talking Jalen Ramsey, as we should. Mike Hilton is a huge part of this game. Like, if he wins that matchup and slows down the best receiver in football production-wise this year, Bengals got a huge chance to win this football game. So, you know, that, that's a, a big conversation. I, I would imagine that um, – I would say this. Matthew is going to have to be perfect in his ball placement. You know, he's going to get a lot of man coverage. Man coverage, that's the number one thing needed because people are closer to your guy. You know, so it's it, that's got to be a huge deal. Um, I would imagine Sean comes out in his ultra-aggressive downfield. Like, I, I would, you know, let's push the ball downfield. And I think for the Bengals' defense, it's you – know, how often do they take guys like Sam Hubbard and move them off the ball and challenge the Rams' plan? Because that's been something that has been really successful, and it's really challenging when offenses or defenses do that to offenses. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of moving parts to the game, you know. Don, I think it's important for everyone watching this today, the day before the Super Bowl to realize you've taken up maybe 20 minutes there on the week where you're in Disneyland with ESPN doing this. So thank you so much for your time. You've been extremely generous. At Dan Orlovsky7 on Twitter. And Dan, if you are commentating on uh, Northwestern Nebraska for ESPN in Dublin week zero in August, we'll buy you a few pints to say thank you. So, uh, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Lock that in. Uh, I look forward to that. Dan Orlowski from ESPN on the Irish NFL show. NFL Live, we've had Mina on, we've had Dan on. Hopefully we get Laura and Marcus on soon. Uh, great crack with Dan, with Dan, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. A great guy and uh, looking forward to those pints with him. We all love a good pint, Brad. We do. Unfortunately, I missed that interview. Um, prior commitments, but it was, having watched it back, it was 
haven't had the opportunity to watch back before now was really good. And look, he's been very supportive. We we asked him to come on a couple of months ago, and he said he'd make time to us, make time for us around the Super Bowl, which was really encouraging. And uh, look, his stuff is top notch. Mark Holder has some of the quirky stuff he puts up on on social. It's very good, and his analysis of the games is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, Michael, I mean, his analysis, and I think the point he calls out about the potential leverage of Joe Mixon in the screen game. Mm. I mean, we've just broken down the Bengals' mm. offense. We we weren't going to steal Dan's thunder, but I think that's a great point. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously, he's got those, uh, those fantastic insights, having analyzed the coach's film, having uh, his experience in the NFL. And as you guys say, grateful to have him on. Absolutely, and great to have him on. Great to be joined by such great guests. And thanks to everyone watching as well around the world. Fantastic show so far tonight. Live from SoFi Stadium. Los Angeles, California, if me and Colin move away a wee bit, you can see it right here. The game kicks off in about 20, 26 hours, 27 hours on Sky Sports NFL and BBC One NI. We're going to talk very quickly here about the Rams offense because this is a team that went full Celtic Tiger, as I call it. And you've seen in the intro, Cronky's all in. This is it. And by God, is he all in. Beckham comes in. Stafford, I mean, where else are you going to go here? Because it's mad. Yeah, well, I'm sure he probably watched the Glazers pick up uh, the Lombardi in their home stadium last year and, uh, you know, decided I'd like some of that. And they, as I said, they have uh, brought guys in the most, I suppose, the biggest talk about is Stafford, right? You bring in the QB. To me, McVeigh decided on Goff after the, the last Super Bowl. You know, mm. they just, I, I think he lost faith in him completely. I think he was looking for options after that. And uh, they managed to to get the deal done for Stafford. Um, Dan talked very highly of Matthew Stafford. He's an enormous believer in Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford is a very good quarterback, but I think you can get to Matthew Stafford. Uh, and sometimes it, it depends on who Matthew Stafford, which a version of him is going to show up. Is he capable of making the, the throws? Absolutely. Is he also capable of throwing interceptions, throwing pick sixes, and sometimes thinking that he's going to throw it 10 yards further than he actually is? The 49ers should have picked him off. And, you know, that was a real sliding doors moment. They could be here instead of the Rams. But in fairness to him, we've equally seen against the Bucks where he led them down the, yep. the field. You'd have to say uh, probably wouldn't have let Cooper Cup uh, get that much freedom. But there he made the throw and there he is. This is all about legacy for uh, quarterbacks in this league. You have to win rings. Otherwise, you're not considered up there. Uh, so for Stafford, everything is going to be this. You know, I think there is pressure on him. He's come across. All the talk was, you know, he couldn't do it, but he was with the, the Lions, the factory of sadness in Detroit. He is now here in uh, the, you know, the, the, the Sunshine State, and he has the opportunity to change it all tomorrow. He has the weapons. They've put him in position. He has the offensive genius that is Sean McVay. I think it's on Matthew Stafford to deliver for the Rams. Yes, sir. Well, going into the playoffs against the Cardinals, a lot, a lot of people felt it was a big ask, question mark when whether Matthew Stafford could, could win a playoff game. He hadn't, he'd been there with the Lions a couple of times, didn't materialize, didn't win a game. He was comprehensive in his performance on that Monday night game. And against the Bucs, despite the fact the Bucs came back, a lot of those reasons weren't down to him. By and large, he had a really good game. Yeah, Colin was right, that, that missed interception was, was costly for the 49ers, but by and large, he played well. He had two really good touchdowns to Cooper Cup in that game. They've won eight of the last nine games. He has played well in large parts of those games. I don't see him as a question point coming into this game. Where I see the struggles for the, for the Rams for large parts recently has been the run game. They were averaging the players only two and a half yards per carry. Now, on the flip side of that, the Bengals are giving up 5.9 yards. So there is an opportunity tomorrow for the Rams to, you know, potentially make hay there. Henderson is coming back in off the IR. So they've only got three running backs to call on tomorrow. 
Sony Michel, Akers, who had his fumble issues in the game, but by and large, when he's come back, he is a productive. He's the number one running back. And where the Rams, I was touched on where the Rams defense has held their end of the bar in him, stopping the run. The Bengals have been a bit up and down, so I do see an opportunity for the Rams tomorrow. Take a bit of pressure off Matthew Stafford, get the run game going. And if they do, that mixes it up, get, catches the Bengals on their toes, and then maybe Mark will, will do it to the comprehensive list of players in which they have in the wide receiver <laughs> positions. Well, they might have one or two, Brian. They might have one or Odell. two. Odell. Just a few. Yeah. My I mean, friends, my friend Odell. Your best friend Odell. Yeah. I mean, they don't have Taylor Higby, which we took to, to, touched on and everything. And he's actually an underrated part of that offense. And, and that's uh, another dimension for them. Very good threat in the, uh, the red zone as well. Um, to me, actually, I mean, let's bring it back to the coaches a little bit because unfortunately, you know, we haven't really touched on them. Um, there's a lot of focus, obviously, on their age. But again, I, I said there's a bit of a theme here. There's coaches of coaches. Um, uh, Zach Taylor's father-in-law formerly coached the Packers. Uh, Sean McVay's grandfather was a former coach of the Giants. I mean, there's a little bit of embedded history that maybe belies their young ages. At 36 and 38, they would be the first and youngest or the second youngest <laughs> coach of all time to win the Super Bowl if they win. Um, currently held by Mike Tomlin, obviously, the Steelers is, is the record there in that regard. And at a combined age of 74, it's the youngest combined age of two coaches in Super Bowl history. Um, or, as we like to say, only a couple of years older than Brian O'Leary. So, um, <laughs> ooh. Uh, in the year that they've announced games in Germany, it's probably only fitting that the, die Wunderkinden are here in the Super Bowl leading their teams. But it's not all about the head coaches. Kevin O'Connell, last game he's going to play, uh, going to coach for, for the Rams, offensive coordinator, has, as Brian alluded to, an array of weapons. Whether it's Odell Beckham Jr., whether it's, I mean, Akers and Michelle aren't a bad running combo, but whether, of course, it is the weapon, the offensive player of the year, Cooper Cup. This game might just come down to Mike Hilton, who has been playing lights out in the slot, versus Cooper Cup. And, and guys, I mean, we're talking about a few stats out here. 4,067 yards. If you want to take rushing, uh, receiving yards in the regular season and postseason for Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase, that's what you get. 4,067 yards. But unfortunately, I think it always still comes back down to Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford is the story, will be the story, and continues to be the story. We could talk about the O-line and the great story of Big Wit, yeah. Andrew Whitworth, and a brief chat we had with Sebastian Vollmer uh, yesterday in relation to him. But Matt Stafford, if he wins the Super Bowl, joins one of only two quarterbacks of all time to win it after 10 years in the league. John Elway, after so many years of sadness, of course, and Steve Young, uh, famously breaking, you know, his duck, uh, duck with uh, Montana's legacy hanging over him. But you know what he did during the regular season, guys? He threw a few interceptions. Mm. Not just a few, the most alongside Trevor Lawrence in the league during the regular season. You can count on him for a mistake or two. And only once in Super Bowl history has the, career, has the regular season leader in interceptions actually gone on to win the Super Bowl. It was Eli Manning, so I don't want to talk about it, but that is <laughs> the legacy that Stafford and the Rams will be dealing with. He deserved well. actually just like my age. <laughs> Obviously mentioned Higby not playing tight end. We have Will Phillips on his son, Wes. Yep. He's the tight ends coach. Johnny Munth is the second-rate tight end. Maybe that could be one for Matchbook tomorrow. We'll talk about Matchbook in a wee second, actually. Um, yeah, look, we say, I said feeling hot, hot, hot. Cooper Cup, Cup, Cup. It's the couple. Cooper Cup tomorrow could have a complete day because look at this Rams offense where they went from like like Robert Woods I feel for Robert Woods big time what they'd done when he went out 
bringing in OBJ and that combination between Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, who's not on tomorrow, obviously, and then Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is incredible. And what he's done, you're saying with the Bucks, like that game against the Bucks, Stafford and Cup in that game were sensational. And, you know, it's all there. It's as if the dinner's been presented, it's on a plate, it's time to eat. Will they eat or not is the question. You, you touched on Van Jefferson. I don't think he should be underrated in a sense. He's a really, really good wide receiver. He's in his second year. He's yeah. come on nicely throughout the season. He could have a day. Marcus Calder, if they have so many weapons, you know, if they have so many opportunities to exploit this Bengals defense, that they have a array of talent and they can get it done in many ways. And it's everyone nugget out, self Mark touched on this more, I'm quite surprised. This is only the second Super Bowl in which two number one first two first round pick quarterbacks have come up against each other. The last one you would be delighted to know was uh, Cam Newton against Peyton Manning. Rod Rivera as a coach <laughs> that day as well. Um, We've obviously got Match Brook as a sponsor, and we've, got, we've looked at the Bengals' uh, offense, defense, Rams' offense, defense. So let's very quickly touch on Match Brook as a sponsor. £20.20 20 gets you money back as cash if your bet loses. Uh, T's and C's apply. Just double check that. 18 plus gamble aware. All the T's and C's are below the screen right now. What's the bet this weekend, Brian? Is there a bet, or have you got one that you don't want to give away your pick yet? Or, or I don't what? want to give away my pick in the game. I see a lot of people now like to be bet builders. Take it away from the results, go into the game, and enjoy the game for. The three hours, cup over 104 yards. It looks a bit that's very high. I think Beckham over 69 yards in a play of a cup to score a touchdown. I think that's a, a reasonably good double. Not a massive price, but I think for the interest over the course of the game, I think that's a fair bet. And Matchbook as well, lads, uh, start their player props on kickoff so you can get that in play on the exchange as well. And thanks very much to Matchbook and to all our sponsors this season. We wouldn't literally be here without them. So, uh, Thank you very, very much. Matchbook Betting Exchange, the app as well. Uh, £20, €20 Euro, uh, offer on there. T's and C's at the bottom of the screen. Mark, you look like a man that wants to say something about betting. I'm not, not, but not about betting necessarily, but I mean, the, the fine margins of Super Bowls, the fine margins of point spreads and everything can also come down to special teams. I mean, we are not got time to really focus on them in depth, but, you know, we've seen Super Bowls decided by the siding kick. Um, and obviously, there's two amazing kickers going to be performing this game. Evan McPherson has been lights out. The coolest man in the room. Even cooler than Joe, Paul, Joe Burrow. I mean, he is shooting his shot uh, and uh, exuding that confidence you want in your kicker. But let's get Matt Gay went to the Pro Bowl. Like, I mean, we're, we're kind of discounting the Pro Bowl kicker <laughs> just because of what Evan McPherson has been doing in the postseason. Uh, and, but that is obviously the third part of the game. As he looks always. so young as well. He looks like a 14-year-old. Well, he is young. That's why. <laughs> he, look, he looks like so young. Seriously. We're slagging ages here, but he, he, they're slagging him for the wrong reason. He looks like a child. He looks 14, 15. <laughs> Shooter. His, okay. his, atti his attitude is just absolutely phenomenal. Like to have the, the confidence in himself that he, he, do, he does, he backed himself coming out of college. He said, no, I don't need to go back to my senior year. And in fairness to the Bengals, huge credit to them and Duke Tobin. They did their research. They decided he was the guy. They went and drafted him and it's paid dividends thus far. Michael, I would give the advantage to the Bengals on the special teams. Um, rightly, Marcus called out, it's, it's on both sides. But when they hit the 40, 45-yard line, he, he's a given. It's three points. We've seen in the playoffs where teams hit the 40, 45 yards. They're not 100% convinced their, their kicker can make it. Where with the Bengals, that's a given. That's three points. That could be huge if the situation It's a close game and they know they can pick off three points every time they get to that area. Uh, sorry for the noise a moment ago there was a Raiders fan heckling us and thank you very much <laughs> definitely news we're Broncos fan and um, we've got uh, we, we've, we've got our game picks coming up after our final okay. guest tonight uh, 
Richard yeah. Chambers from Virgin Media. Yeah, what, what I, a guest. I was got what I was going to say, Michael. I mean, um, the Rams are going to run uh, their offense a lot of a lot of condensed packages. You know, the wide receivers close to the offensive line. Um, we decided we don't only have a condensed version of four Irishmen. We try to squeeze one more in there. So it is the Irish NFL show. We had to get one more Irishman in there. And what a great guest. Irish journalist, Virgin Media, uh, Richard Chambers joined us earlier in the week. One day away from Super Bowl Sunday, Bengals against the Rams at SoFi Stadium. We're delighted to welcome in a guy you may have seen him on your Twitter account or on your television. A very popular man in Ireland, Richard Chambers from Virgin Media News, also an author of a state of emergency out recently. Richard, a very, very warm welcome to the show. Nice. Thank you so much for having me. Great distraction to have, you know? It's going to be a good crack, Richard, with, with, with this game tomorrow night as well. And do you know what? Usually we ask people on here, you know, have you any affinity to Ireland? So I, I can't really ask you that, to, to be honest with you. But uh, what's your affinity with the NFL for people that are watching this going? Yeah, well, I, 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 I was actually thinking when I was asked to do this, I was like, when did I actually start following NFL? And um, I'm trying to think, it was, it's sort of a chicken and egg situation. Like I started playing um, American football in UCD. Um, and I'm trying to think of if that was the way in. Did I just see a desk there at like one freshers week? And I was like, oh, American football, let's let's do that. That would be fun. Or if I actually watched it first. But it was around that time and I sort of got into um, the Green Bay Packers. And I just started playing football then. And I just loved it. I just loved it. I just loved the culture of the sport, the history, the real sort of gladiatorial sort of, you know, epics that, that the sport gives that so many others just don't. And it's just been an amazing sort of, you know, love of my life ever since, really. Yeah, it's funny, Richard, um, doing some research for this and uh, some of your earliest tweets, I think, were uh, about... Uh, <laughs> like, there's, there's never a scarier thought in the world, it's like when somebody talks about your earliest tweets. Like, yeah, no, nothing, nothing bad, <laughs> just promoting the uh, UCD American football. And obviously, you're a, a DCU alum. Having been in both, uh, I, I thought when you got the email from me, you'd think, oh, no, it's uh, another alumni event. But uh, delighted uh, to welcome you to, to this. But talking of, of Twitter, which you're known for, but you had a, a tweet about um, the the red zone and uh, it being one of the, uh, the the greatest inventions, which you know was liked by not just anybody but by the NFL itself, and replied to by uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen, what a man! Has is is there anybody in the world with a better better job and who just shows how much he loves the job as well? Have you ever met a more enthusiastic person? The man just like it's oozing out of his pores. The, the, just, just it could even be a bad day of football. It could be a terrible day of football. And nothing's happening, and the man is grinning his way through it and talking about you know here we go seven hours of commercial free football. I love him. It's brilliant though. Like it is. It's 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 been for many people who I've introduced the sport to. Uh, NFL red zone is absolutely the gateway drug. It's completely like it's 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 irrepressibly fun. Um, because people come into the sport, obviously, as you guys and all your listeners know, with like these preconceptions about like this, all the games go on forever, and there's all these stoppages. It's like, no, 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 just dial in, focus on you know what you're seeing happen when it's on. Uh, the personalities are huge, just the, the bombast of the sport is unbelievable as well. So I just think, yeah, the red zone has just been. I, I'm, I, there's only there's very few people in the world who I'm envious of their job, Scott Hansen. Top three for me, definitely. Unbelievable. What a man. 
Richard, we've had him on twice on the second time around. He was actually making a ham and cheese salmons before he started the show. So he was showing a little bit of normality. <laughs> a lot of simple taste. We love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you touched on, just before we started recording, your, your admiration for the Packers. It's going back to the Brett Favre days. I'm a Giants fan. The lads are Broncos fans. We, we say each other, we've been suffering for quite a while. You yeah. are suffering, but yet every season there's so much expe expectations for your team. Yeah. What, 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 what happens? And your, your thoughts on the Rodgers, I saw your tweet the following day, but they kind of, you didn't know you, re you really have to sum up the Rodgers situation. It's, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I yeah, I, I find the whole, oh yeah, long suffering fan thing. It's always, the, the fans always do that. have nothing to complain about generally. Like it's, it's always in soccer here, Arsenal fans or Man United fans talk about being long suffering. Like it's been amazingly, it's brilliant to have had Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers for 20 something years consecutively. Like how blessed are the Green Bay Packers? And yet at the same time, to deliver two Super Bowls out of those quarterbacks is absolutely crazy. And I think it's been something which is, you, you notice with the Aaron Rodgers era, um, as amazing a quarterback as he has been. And obviously when Mike McCarthy was the head coach as well, there just seemed to be, you know, I, you could pick out a million different things, whether it's bad luck, uh, terrible refereeing calls, and just terrible, more often than not, terrible play calling, actually, was, um, was, the, was the Mike McCarthy legacy of, of the Green Bay Packers. But it's, it's, it's been just roller coaster stuff. And this was one of the first years in a long time that I led myself, you know, to, to a situation where I thought, this, could, this is the year. We're back. Like, it was the whole last dance thing with Rodgers as well. And obviously Devontae Adams as well. And I was just like, this, this, there's something in this. There's that team of destiny vibe. That that you that that dust is in the air. Uh, and then obviously it just didn't happen because you know the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs, the, like the Lambeau Field at home thing is just clearly just descended into, you know, the, the, this mythical setting and this in, in, imperious home field advantage it just doesn't hold up really. And there's a few people you can point the finger of at the Rogers thing. Yeah, like I wish I could say I was surprised. Like there has been, I don't know if, if any of you guys have read this, there's been a few bits over the years just popped out of them. And there was some, there was an article I read a couple of years ago. As a former player, I can't remember who it was, but he said, Yeah, Iron Rogers is into conspiracy theories. And I was like, This, is, this sounds hilarious and harmless. So I, I can't I can't imagine a situation in the world where this will ever come back to bite us. Um, but he has to me as a fan, like loyalty is such a huge thing in sport. And we over we overplace you know a weight on that because obviously these are paid athletes, but I think with Aaron Rodgers, um, it has felt like over the last couple of years he has been engineering his way towards the door. So the Denver Broncos as well, of course. Um, it just that that does leave a sour taste in the mouth, and that was the same with Brett as well when Brett was there and he was, you know, the last couple of years when he was, will I won't I retire? It's um it's 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 very interesting that both of them have had you know you know, legendary careers, like two of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time, back to back. And they couldn't leave on great terms with the team. At least it doesn't appear to with Brett or with Aaron. Aaron might be back again next year. I don't think he is. I don't think anybody expects him to be back with the Packers next year. But yeah, a bitter pill to swallow, really. Yeah, I think Packers fans are going to have to to light a few candles, Richard, over the next few weeks, <laughs> I think, to see what happens there. But uh, here, look, I mean, the Packers are one of the only teams that hasn't played. I think the only team that hasn't played in London. 
Uh, and look, we haven't had the fortune to have a game in Ireland. And well, we've obviously had one in 97, but not recently. Have you had a chance to go over to Wembley or Tottenham? Or, or maybe have you been to one in, in, in the States? I seen you got over to New York in September when we couldn't get in. I was very jealous at the time, Richard. I can't tell uh, you how jealous I was. Seriously. I've never got to Lambeau, which is which is the absolute bucket list now for me in sport. Um, absolutely can't wait to, to do that at some point. Um, I was over at one of the first London games. It was the Saints uh, against the Chargers. It was the second or the third year of it. Unbelievable shootout game. Um, Drew Brees had an amazing game. Ladanian Tomlinson was brilliant in that one as well. Which is like this is these were these were like you know uh, sort of huge figures when when I was just getting into the sport when we were there with UCD. Um, also last last was last Jesus the pandemic ruins everything. Um, it was uh, 2019. Uh, it was one of my 30s. Myself and my girlfriend Louise we went over to New Orleans, uh, and we were there for a Saints game. Saints against the Falcons. Uh, the Saints absolutely uh, crapped themselves in that game. Uh, the Falcons uh, just stolen, uh, but it was an amazing atmosphere. The Superdome was just that, that. That was unbelievable. Like New Orleans is an amazing city. They love that team. There's such a such a deep bond there. Just amazing to just be in the in 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 the in the, in the dome for it. Really, we were joking, I suppose, about the the term long suffering. But in fairness to the Bengals, I think that is a, a term that you could actually apply. But one of the beauties of the sport is how quickly, because of the draft, things can turn around. They get Burrow. They go on the the run this season. Um, you know, given that um, the they're facing on the the Rams of the Super Bowl. Just your th your thoughts on the Bengals and and Burrow and what they've done this year, Richard. Love it, love it. I I think you can see from my face the enthusiasm I have. Joe Burrow is um like it's amazing as 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 Tom Brady steps off the scene. We could have a ready-made poster boy for the league ready to go. He. Just infectious personality. How can you root against Joe Burrow? Um, they have, I, I know I said that there, there, there was that hint of Team of Destiny about the Packers because of the last dance and all that sort of stuff I was framed. The Bengals have Team of Destiny written all over them. And as you say, like there are, there are only a couple of teams in, in, in the world you possibly, you could say, absolutely long-suffering. The Bengals, the Browns would probably count uh, right up there. But the Bengals... I just love it. I love it. Love what Joe Burrow brings. I love the fact that they have that rub, that they just have that. They're just turning games over. The, the level of quarterback play from Joe Burrow throughout the playoffs has been absolutely exceptional. And I think the biggest, like the biggest praise you could give to, to, to them on this is that um, when the game started to turn against the Chiefs, um, I was like, this is absolutely gone. This is absolutely gone to the Bengals. And I just feel that they have this they, they, this is destiny almost like this is and just, like how is that possible how is that possible for a team which was you know i think it was was it four wins they got last year four wins yeah. incredible incredible and it is this is this is the this is one thing about the nfl that i read that i think anybody could just get behind is just how quickly things can turn around with the right chemistry the right people one or two na names change in a roster and absolutely everything goes in the right direction i think this is a really exciting time um just as a fan of the sport in general joe burrow is absolutely hilarious love the turtleneck love the chain just uh, an amazing he's a, he's, a, he's a walking meme but in the best possible way like he is uh, he's everything you'd want a 21st century quarterback to be and we, we are blessed with amazing quarterbacks in the league at the moment obviously mahomes obviously you have Allen as well 
and, and their duel is something that was, you know, that's that's going to pass into legend. But Burrow, Burrow can throw himself to the top of the pile here very quickly. Like, you know, I think he he has that, he has, you know, that 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 sort of that he oozes superstar status. And I just um I think it's I think I think I think I'm like I I I I'm always bold and brash with with predictions. I think this is absolutely the Bengals here. Um so so feel free to play it if if the Rams and Sean McVay mastermind something uh to turn them over. But it just has that it has that feel that this is the team that has plucked themselves from obscurity and is just, you know, just steps away from destiny. Richard, you touched on there slightly about Tom Brady. Obviously, the news broke at the weekend, uh, the likelihood that he was going to retire and obviously confirmed yesterday morning. Are you surprised that he's walking away from it? We had a conversation on the show last week and Michael had asked the question of all of us, what we what our thoughts are. I was genuinely surprised. I felt that at the level he was playing with the stats he put up this year, Colin during the season kind of questioned whether he was playing at the level we've seen previously. But I suppose it's down to his career, the expectations, but by and large, I still felt there was enough in him to come back for another year. I definitely think he has enough in him to play another two seasons. Um, he obviously doesn't do, isn't going to do that. I think that's, maybe that's to do with the books. I just don't think they have the roster there next year to pull it off again. Seems like a right time to go. It's Tom Brady. I hated Tom Brady more than any other athlete for a good, you know, I don't know, 16 years, 16 years. Loved uh, for so I loved the giant Super Bowl wins. I actually, whenever I was going, when I was going, I was tuning in from Russia North Dublin to UCD uh, every day, so it was like two hours each way. One of the few things I had in my old iPods was the um, the super, it was it was the Super Bowl 42, was it? Uh, it was um, obviously 40, 42 and 46, yeah. 42 and 46. So 42, it was um, I just thought it was incredible. Um, the, the perfect season ruined, I just loved it. It was a great escape on a, on a, on a dart to, to UCD. It was just watching Tom Brady lose over and over again. Um, hated him until he left the Patriots. I think he's, he's, he's just, yeah, he's incredible. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that he doesn't feel he has. Well, it's, I suppose I, I haven't really thought too much about it. I just think it is more to do with the fact that I don't think the Buccaneers uh, can put this together. If he wanted to go again, there, there was talk that he might go back uh, and play again with the, with the Niners, wasn't it? But... I just think that's you are diluting something a little bit if you keep on moving around, isn't it? But he's he's incredible. He's incredible. It's ridiculous that he's doing that. He was doing those things uh, up to his age. That's that's the model now. So I mean, like we could have another twenty years of Joe Burrow. Who knows? Let's see if we get maybe a gal player playing under 30, 43, 44 and see the crack. Richard, last round of questions. I promise. Uh, Talking there, we've got a lot of similarities in, in Ireland. We've obviously got the All-Ireland Final. We've got 32 counties, 32 teams in the NFL. Um, but the Rams have something significant. Only one county in, in Ireland has a home advantage in, the, in an All-Ireland Final. And we all know who that is, boys. Dublin didn't work out for them last weekend. I had to put that in as against Armagh for people wonder what's going on. But more importantly, the Rams. Richard, the Rams have went full Celtic Tiger here uh, this year with all these acquisitions. Odell Beckham Jr., Vaughn Miller... Uh, home advantage, do you think it's going to give them a massive advantage or do you think it maybe puts more pressure on them, especially when it's a full crowd there in LA tomorrow? It is more pressure though, isn't it? It is more pressure. Um, I don't know, like, I mean, I, like, I have no idea how the ticketing arrangements work for Super Bowls, but um, I, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine it being a huge advantage to them, especially because they're like, they're, how long are they back in LA? Not a huge amount of years. I don't think they have that sort of, they haven't got that fever pitch of a crowd. LA is a very sort of glory hunty town though. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's a hint of a Super Bowl. That place will be full. That place will be rocking. 
Uh, I think there is a pressure that comes with playing a Super Bowl in your home, in your home stadium. Um, yeah, they have pulled it all together really, really well, but I just, I, I don't think it'll stand to them. I just think there is, this happens, it happens with the Giants before, it happened with the Packers before as well. There, 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 there are these teams um, that aren't meant to be there, um, but just do it. And it is, it has that, that sense of this, this is, all the momentum is there. Uh, they turned over the Chiefs, who I thought were, would walk it all the way through now. Um, and I just think that, uh, yeah, the Bengals, the Bengals is their team worth rooting for. I, I can't, I can't, I can't really war. I love Sean McVay as a coach, but I just can't, I can't warm to the LA Rams, the LA Rams. <laughs> Richard, um, you kind of, I suppose, with news and Twitter and, and this like kind of 24 hour news cycle that we have, and it feels like with the NFL over the last few years, it used to be kind of the season and the season ended in the Super Bowl. And then there was some things happening in free agency. And then you got to the draft, there was a bit, and then the season started again. Now it's just constant. There is just like stories all the time. We've had Schefter and, and Rappaport on. You see them tweeting at like two and three in the morning. Like where, where and, and in terms, I suppose, kind of piggyback on the red zone stuff, where does this all go next? How, do, how does it go to the next level? It's crazy, actually. Yeah, and it is. I was reading a New York Times article about um, your man Fabrizio Romano, the, the Italian, he does all the transfer sort of journalism thing. And like these reporters now have their own sort of individual brands. They'll all have their own podcasts as well. Like this is where the sports media is sort of going really, isn't it? That you have these big names, these Schefters, as you mentioned, the Rappaport's, even in the NBA, uh, you, you've uh, Woj and Shams, like, you know, Romano, Ornstein, even in, with, with, with transfers for the athletic in, in football as well. It's really interesting to see that happen. And it is really interesting to see, I suppose, the teams and the, the players sort of build those insider connections with these specific journalists, which I find fascinating. And just how it just sort of snowballs and snowballs. Like, uh, like yeah, the, the commitment to be tweeting at two or three o'clock in the morning about it, something as absolutely spurious as a trade rumor or whatever. Like, it's like, it's more important things in life, but that's why it is, that's why we love sport is that it is absolutely just completely daft and insane. And, and it does obsess us even into the wee small hours of the morning. So it's good to see journalists who are as obsessed about it as, as we are, I suppose. Richard, another thing that you're very public on on social media is your love of Bowers. Um, I'm a Rovers man, so we won't, we won't follow it today. Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm turning off my link here. Yeah. No, no. If you were to compare Bowers to an NFL team, who would it be? Because you've had such good moments and then you get to cup finals and unfortunately lose out after a long, a long way for a trophy. Like, I mean, the, and it's not the Packers, don't say the Packers. No. Well, like, I mean, I was, I was in, in that's initially where you're going to because you have that 100% uh, fan owned sort of thing, like, you know, but obviously, Bows are a team from the capital, up and down a bit. I suppose you could draw parallels maybe with the, the Giants or the Jets in some ways as well. Like, there are, there is rich history there. You're a founder club of the, of the League of Ireland. You'd go back to the the Giants have been around. Yeah, I suppose the Giants, the Giants and and those would be a good comparison, I suppose. I think of anything else, not the Washington Commanders anyway. Like there's like that <laughs> with 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 a unique identity. Um, well, so, Washington yeah. Washington Commanders be wearing Bob Marley jerseys soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's nice that's jersey. Where, I have that's, that's where sport goes as well. It's I mean it's about it's about taking advantage of of the trends that are there. It's about having an identity and a set of values as a as a club and that's something which 
I suppose Washington is going to have to find for itself is, is, yeah. is, is what it's about. They have had a terrible last 30 years under Dan Snyder. I mean, they need to, they need to, they need to be rep- That's an amazing city. Washington DC is an incredible city uh, with amazingly passionate sports fans and they've been really badly let down. So it'll be interesting to see everybody's taking the mickey out of the, the commanders as a, as, a, as a brand. There's no the most generic jerseys and branding I've ever seen in any NFL team. But I think that, look, they can come into their own. NFL teams have overcome some seriously dodgy dodgy gear and dodgy branding before in the past. I, I'm actually very interested to see where they go. It'd be grand, it'd be grand. Obviously, lads, imagine Bo's there, Brian. League of Ireland back next week, in case you're all wondering, boys. Richard, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, at News Chambers on Twitter. Hopefully we can do this every year around the Super Bowl for the crack if you want. Or should we'll do it in Dublin at some point with a game, college game in August, but uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, obviously, your book out recently as well. I really want to read that myself, uh, A State of Emergency, and you're a very busy man. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. No worries, lads. Love to come back again. And that was Richard Chambers from Virgin Media News. Uh, offer extraordinaire as well. The main man for Ireland on Twitter at the minute as well. Great to have Richard on the Irish NFL show. Just a few comments before we get to game picks. Uh, I've been asked to give a shout out. I love doing two things at once. Uh, Jared Mullen saying, will you give a shout out to Barry McCarran, Monaghan's biggest Bengals fan, watching in the Squealing Pig tomorrow night. Enjoy it, mate. Uh, the Squealing Pig's a good bar, boys. Good what bar. a name for a pub. <laughs> <laughs> have you not been to Squealing Pig? Never. I imagine he'll be screaming like a pig for a few hours during the game. It's a good spot. There's loads of different comments. Now, the comments that we have to talk about after are actually about the game. So uh, Mark Hogan's comment. And Mark, thanks very much. Mark's done fantastic work mm-hmm. this season with our graphics. Okay. Really appreciate it, Mark, as well. We'll try and get into that, but we're stuck a wee bit for time. So we'll go straight to the game picks for Super Bowl 56, if I can find them. I love yeah. producing this. And, wow. and Michael, obviously, wow. you said about the squealing pig. There's lots of pubs, lots of Super Bowl parties going on all around the country tomorrow night. And so, uh, loads. big shout out to all of you with all your different arrangements in various places all around the country. Absolutely. I actually clicked yours by accident for a split second so people know already if they were that <laughs> excited. But if not, it's grand. Here we go. Super Bowl 56 picks presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange, our 70th show of the season. It's all ending tomorrow night in SoFi Stadium. Who is taking home the Lombardi Trophy, Colin, and why? Uh, well, I think if people were watching Jeff Reinbold's show last week, they probably have an idea of who I'm going to pick as well. I do think you can make an argument for both of these teams there. Look, when you get to the Super Bowl, obviously they're both super talented. But for me, the you heard Ron Rivera say it earlier, this has become a quarterback-driven league. And in... Dan Orlovsky is a big believer in Matthew Stafford, and I can understand why. But as Mark has alluded to, Matthew Stafford is capable of making mistakes. And ultimately, I think that the Bengals have the feel of a team of destiny. They don't make, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They shouldn't be where they are, right? He was coming back off an ACL injury. We're always told that takes time. They are a team that came together in the offseason. That takes time. Zach Taylor was going to be out in his ear. Well, that's not the case. They have to go into to Tennessee. We've talked about it. Derek Henry and the Titans is the number one. And Mike Rabel is coach of the year. And Burrow takes nine sacks and they still win. They have to go to Arrowhead. They are down 21-3. They come back. They lose the coin toss and they still win. 
this is a team that just it's like uh, Tyson Fury it doesn't know when it's been <laughs> it gets up off the canvas and for that reason I would love to see Von Miller win a ring but I believe in this Bengals team I believe in Joe Burrow and I think the Bengals are going to win Super Bowl 56 Undertaker music dong <laughs> Bengals are going to win it Brian who have you got? See, Colin goes through all the storylines for the Bengals, but the fairness to the Rams, they've been on a storyline of their own. They've won eight of the last nine games. The defeat was against the 49ers in Week 18. They were up by 17 points. They played well for large parts of that game. They have been on a run since November, or before November, coming off their bye week. Similar similarities to last year's Bucks team, where they got it together after after their bye week later in the season. They got the doors blown off in Green Bay. They went on the bye week. They've come back. They've gone on a huge run. They have to win this game. This is what it's all about. We spoke about it all week. The investment, the draft picks, trade away, get players in, Odell Beckham to re-energize the offense when they were struggling at large parts of the season. Defensive side with Vaughn Miller. McVeigh, during the week, this conversation about other coaches in the league falling off the McVeigh tree. McVeigh has 36 years of age, hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Yet other people are giving him a great appreciation for the fact that other coaches are doing well in the league. Forget all of that. He needs to get this over the line. He lost a couple of years ago against the Patriots. I'm picking the Rams. I believe they will have more offensively to do enough. And I do think the frailties of the offensive line, whilst they got to the Super Bowl and it's been a great storyline, I think it's a bridge too far. I think the Rams will win in their home stadium tomorrow night. Cronkyville, Cockerell, who have you got? I'm a gunner, so there you go. I maybe should be uh, supporting (laughs) Big Stan. But uh, look, to me, the LA Rams have it all. They've got the glitz. They've got the glamour. They've got the biggest superstars. They frankly got the bigger weapons there's a very legitimate way in which i could break it down for you how they can dominate on offense and win this game dominating on offense there's equally a way i can break it down to you that they're going to dominate on dominate on defense destroying that porous bengals offensive line and therefore walk their way with defense to a super bowl and let's face it guys this is how the super bowl used to work you know you go back to the 80s 90s early 90s and everything it was the big superstar teams would obliterate the poor unfortunates that somehow made their way to the Super Bowl. I can think of my 85 Patriots being beaten by the Bears, the early years of Elway, late 80s, early 90s, the 2000 Giants against the Ravens. Um, they were outclassed, outmatched, out, you know, outsourced in any and every single way. But somewhere along the line, the narrative did change. Somewhere along the line, dreams can come true. Whether it was the 2001 Patriots, the 2006 Steelers, the 2007 Giants, the 2018 Eagles, there is the ability to somehow, some way, a team at the start of the playoffs, it looks like they almost have no right in being there, can make it all come true. Even my favorite Cinderella story of all time, the 2008 Arizona Cardinals, were founded by one of the great, the greatest wide receiver postseason runs of all time, needed two of the great Super Bowl plays of all time to defeat them and ultimately kill their dream. You think of Harrison's interception return and then Roethlisberger to Holmes over three defenders. Um, so therefore, to me, we ask ourselves, well, what's the bigger land of make-believe? And this Cincinnati Bengals team is from the land of make-believe. You would not have believed if I said to you at the start of the year, and Colin kind of outlined it, 6-25-1 was Zach Taylor coming into the season. A quarterback coming off a career-defining injury. Uh, a, a wide receiver who should have been a tackle, everybody said. Uh, a free agency market made up of cast-offs and delinquents trying to gel together something, making it up from the, the ashes of rubble, effectively. And not only that, they're in the AFC North, guys. 
There are three returning playoff teams. No hope, no chance. But somehow they did make it. And somehow they got to the playoffs. And they faced the number one seed down. And they faced the number two seed. And as Colm said, away from home in a 21-3 deficit. And what did they do then? Well, then those cats clawed. And then those cats roared. And as William Blake used to say about their cousin, the tiger, what, what a mortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry. They have been <laughs> unbelievable to get to this stage and this phase. The number one seed has been dispatched. The number one two, number two seed has been dispatched. Now, in the face of overwhelming odds, in the face of a home stadium, another away game for them, even though they're designated the home team, um, Cinderella found her Prince Charming. For those of you who believe, for those of you that believe your team can once again get back to the promised land, this time the big cat will bark because the underdog is going to bark. Bengals to win it. Wow. Uh, before I give my pick, I want to give Ireland's pick. That's all right. Uh... Why are you doing that, Michael? Mark's top at the fourth seed and the second seed. This is the fourth Super Bowl since 1975, where no number one or no number two seed from either side has made the Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. Uh, right, Ireland's pick is 54% to 46%. The Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Simon Kennedy, uh, he thinks he's good. So he thinks the Rams take it with Cup MVP. Danny McVeigh, the head says Rams has been in cover, but it's the magic of the Super Bowl. I fancy the Bengals to win. Dar McGuire, the Bengals will start slow and appear nervous. Burrow will be picked off earlier on in the second half. They'll find the rhythm and win it by a whisker. LA Rams, Northern Ireland. How's it going, boys? All the haters, too much prime time for us. Either side of the ball, Rams house. Christina, I hear I'm flip-flopping, but I'm going to say the Bengals. It's kind of hard to see past the OBJ and Vaughn, though. Kapil Scari, I'm rooting for the Bengals, especially Chase Burrow and Mixon, but I think the Rams will win it by four. Uh, Gerard, uh, all in with the Rams after we watched American Underdog last night. Owen Farrell, Bengals by six to spoil the party, upset the boogies. Gareth Murta, I'm going for the Rams because of Vaughn Miller. Wouldn't mind if the Bengals win. Kyle saying the Bengals mainly as I prefer to trust Burrow and Stafford. Uh, 49ers Ireland, 34-31 Bengals. Uh, and he's saying that Shooter wins the game for them. Uh, Declan Long, I'm going with the Bengals in a close game, 24 to 21. Uh, Frederick Flunk, <laughs> I'm going with my heart and saying the Bengals by three or six. Uh, my head says the Rams by 10. Shout out to Tip the Bengals, shout out to the Bengals Ireland as well. Look, here, there's like five more. Kevin, if the Bengals use the ground game, mixing gets room 24 27 Rams. Key, happy with Eva going with the Rams, Von Miller. Dave has a gut feeling it's going to be the Bengals. Uh, Ra Bengal, McPherson at the gun, 24-21. JC Bengals, 33-28. Uh, we've only got just three more. Stephen Mahan, he's going with the Rams. Cormac Shaughnessy, Bengals. Gary McGurk, back the Bengals at 50-1, to based on their number one Irish fans' advice, Barry McCarran. This Barry boy is getting the follow live on Twitter Michael, right now. Michael, look, Ireland believes. The magic dust is there. Surely, let the magic into your heart, Michael. Let's well, have your... Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Let's start off with the Bengals. And Colin was writing what he said. The Bengals, what they have achieved in the space of two or three seasons. Peter Schrieger said it yesterday. This team were nowhere three years ago. And look now, they're 60 minutes away from immortality. And what they've done, they even come back with Burrow and then get Jamar Chase. Apparently, Jamar Chase came out this week. Jamar Chase was walking around, knocking on the doors of people to try and get the, to live beside Joe Burrow. He loves him that much. This Bengals team are fantastic. And they will be there for a very, very long time. I have no doubt about it. And it's going to be great for the AFC. But in reality, this show started with Stan Kroenke on the 13th of January 2016, standing in Hollywood Park, which used to be a race course behind us, saying that they were going to bring Super Bowls to LA. And they are. Tomorrow, the Rams boys are going to beat the Bengals to win Super Bowl 56. Personally, 
I think the Rams defense goes up massively. I think Cooper Cup gets two or three touchdowns. Does Do the Bengals get 15, 20, 25 points to try and engage that? I don't know. Vaughn Miller, MVP for me. This is going to be a hell of a game tomorrow. The Rams are going to win Super Bowl 56. And as I said in Brian's bunker, week zero, Matthew Stafford wins it all in his own house. There yeah, we Michael, go. There was a change of picture in the season. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make one, one point on the Bengals. Like, the AFC is stacked. Like We're saying the Bengals are going to come back next year, but we have seen teams get to the Super Bowl. And for one reason or another, they don't put it together the following season. We speak about the AFC quarterbacks. And potentially, even if Rodgers gets traded during the offseason to an AFC side, it makes it even more competitive. So it's not a given that they're going to get back. They might, yeah, maybe the playoffs. This is their biggest opportunity, obviously. They need to take it. Just feel this. Oh, Carpe diem, Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize well, the day. I just think that the, the Twitter poll was and the, the comments are interesting. I told Joe Burrow they had a massive fan base in Ireland, and the Bengals fans have certainly shown that. They have the Bengals fans, Ireland's hit the Bengals, and everybody, the Bengals fans, Ireland, and, and even further on, Hooday UK, fantastic people, really deserve some more. Same with the Rams fans, some great chat. We're talking to Rams fans as well this week, and enjoy the game, folks, for, for you as well. And uh, that's it. Yeah. It's over. After almost. We just need to thank a few people. 70 episodes this season. It doesn't just all get all come together because of us. There's a couple of good few people I want, I want to thank. Emma Quinlan from Trust, who has supported us essentially from day one of this show, who has been very supportive. Yeah. Aidan O'Sullivan, Matchbook, again, this season, the full season, very supportive. Our recent sponsors has come on. Aidan Deering, again, thanks very much for all your support. Our family, our friends who have put the show together, and two other people I'd like to call out in behind the scenes, Stephen Kennedy, Titan Roofing, who has supported us in terms of giving jerseys away, and Stuart McCabe, who did all the work to get all our equipment to London. So there's people in the background who have helped us throughout the course of the season. Yeah, not least uh, the CBS crew here with us today, uh, being fantastic and uh, fantastic. Take up the day of Tim and Joseph as well. Absol yeah. Absolutely, and it's fantastic even as our view of all the different media concourse along here, uh, shooting stuff during the day in the build-up uh, to SoFi. Uh, if you'd honestly told us 15 months ago we'd all be standing here, um, we probably would have sent you to a mental asylum, but it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey with the three of you gentlemen. Um, and it's fantastic to be here. And, you know, just can't wait for the game tomorrow. Whether it's Bengals, whether it's Rams, it's going to be one hell of a game. Right, Akala, we'll be back towards the end of the week with uh, maybe a season review. We will indeed, yeah. And But just a huge thanks to everyone watching, everyone supporting, mm. like the interaction, seeing the communities come together over the last 15 months. Unbelievable. Incre incredible, really, really has. Love interacting with people. The chats, the banter, it's been absolutely fantastic. So just thanks to everyone watching as well. What's fantastic back home is the amount of fans who support the teams across the league. Like I know there's three or four teams that have substantial support, you know, the Patriots, Packers, other teams but this season the Bengals like the Bengals have been so focused and rightly so they've made the Super Bowl put me in my place quite a few times this season because I haven't picked I haven't picked the Bengals since week 12 and I haven't picked them tomorrow so we know what's going to happen but again it's just great to see all the interaction Colin has called it everything and every engagement and the support of the show has been fantastic and Michael one last thing I mean uh we allude to it very briefly uh, at times you see sometimes Michael uh doing a, a few things on the computer he does an amazing job in terms of the graphics, the production, the pulling together of all of this. Yes, he does. Um, I don't want to cry. I don't want whilst, to well, whilst it's a team effort, you do an amazing job and a hell of a lot of the technical. Uh, well, it's worth it now when we're here. Production. It's worth it now when we're here. Also, there's also fun. one other sponsor we've got to thank, which is um, uh, Dulux Paints, uh, who have mixed together a lot of colors and contributed to Colin Cronin's wardrobe. <laughs> I want to thank uh, College Football Ireland for coming on recently as well. Looking forward to hopefully being uh, on the 50-yard line in the middle of the field 
pregame live. I'm joking on the Aviva, but uh, thanks to them. Uh, and also just want to thank the NFL for the support, uh, obviously, yeah. in the game tomorrow. Yes. Unbelievable. I will be like a child tonight for Santa Claus. And we'll be up at Mass in the morning praying, boys, because it's going to be a big day. Big, big day. Any final words? The Irish NFL show is a trending, to call it. It's trending today with people kind of following the show and engaging. But Colin's shorts have become a bit of a team as well throughout the course of the season. It actually started originally um, in the wool shed when we did the show um, December previous year where people reached out to me and said, what's Colin wearing today and why is he gone down that road? And it's been a good bit of crack throughout the season and he hasn't let us down. Glad, I, glad I, I hope to continue to, to do so. It's been brilliant. Uh, cannot wait for the game tomorrow and just everyone enjoy it. And thanks as well to CBS for the, the production of today. We massively appreciate it. I am now going to go off the record and ask Tim to